0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, Uh, this is your host Daniel Benoit and you're listening to ECBRO Bigfoot Radio and what you're about to listen to is one of our former video live stream podcasts that we converted to mp3 so you guys can listen to it right here. Uh, Mr. Justin Decker, uh, we're, we were proud to have him on. We will definitely be having him on in the future. He is a great guy. I highly recommend getting to know him. Uh, you can find him on Facebook. And ladies and gentlemen, his stories were awesome. We had a great discussion. I hope you enjoy what you're about to hear. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I gotta be. I gotta be understanding and be patient, you know, because there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, I'm I way more understanding. A lot of people just start to. Yeah, right.
1: when people come to me, yeah, me and I ask just... me first, I'm like, "Oh no, I can tell you all about this, you know. This happened, blah blah blah." And and if you go here, you can find a lot of information about it, or there or wherever. And I mean, there's so many platforms now, you know, that have this information, and. You can't hardly find a lot of the old Bigfoot forums that used to be around back in before 2010. But uh, a lot of stuff is saved, you know, there on the Internet. You just have to know how to find it. So um, I I used to have a lot of it saved. But, you know, every two years you go to a different computer and then I lose whatever I had over there. I don't really because I really didn't care to back up anything, really. You know, it wasn't like my goal to start backing this stuff up. I just always felt like I could find that information again. But slowly but surely, there's some older stuff that I have lost. You know, I have like one photo left of the whole giant of the uh, the creature from the giant sequoias. I have one photo left of the creature next to the producer and the director and somebody else. I don't know. Some member of the crew. Um, left and I but I used to have a photo with it yeah. with his head off in his in his laps and I don't have that anymore because I never hmm. saved it I never thought I would have to go back and save it and now I can't find it on the internet so stuff does disappear you know but that's been since 2000 mm-hmm. God six I don't even know a long time ago so yeah you know. You just never know when that stuff pops back up and you're like, oh, my God, I used to have all that information. Now I don't have it anymore. But trust me, you know, people don't just want to trust your word that, oh, God, I debunked that 10 years ago. And they're like, 10 years ago. What? It just came out. And I'm like, no, it did not just come (laughs) out, you know. Exactly. So but that's the skeptic in me. That was always, you know, my thing back then. That was what I used to do. I don't hardly do that as much anymore. Right.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um. It looks like Justin and Baltimore are taking tor- turns of jumping off. <laughs> <laughs> First is Baltimore, then, then it's Justin. Is it storming or something? Forth. You guys have
1: storms going on over there?
2: Yeah. It's we been got storming problems. off and on all day. So it, it's been kind of spotty all day long with the big ah. rainstorms coming through the mountains.
1: Yeah. Oopsie, he's gone again.
0: Yeah, huh? Yeah, we've had storms the last week or so. We've had (laughs) rain almost every day, and uh, it's been well. We've had a little bit of rain today, but uh, yeah, they say it's supposed to rain tomorrow. Um, It's -hmm. supposed to rain, and so so we'll see how that goes. Because I was actually supposed to go out and and have a picnic tomorrow. So and then a campfire Mm -hmm. later tomorrow evening so i don't know we'll see how that goes <laughs> but uh we'll tell you what let's go ahead and get right into it uh justin uh now you have a couple stories that you want to share um I'm, I'm very anxious to hear about them um now the one story you have comes from the amazon which is actually your father's story is that correct
2: that is correct. All my stories are going to be coming out of there. Um, that's where I was born, and I lived there till I was nine. It was down in the Amazon jungle in Colombia. Um, so I've nice. got a few stories coming out of there. Yep.
0: Okay. Well, how about you uh, take us away, and uh, if you jump off, I'll make sure I'll be watching you to jump back in, and I'll try to keep you added in. <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay. But yeah. Tell us about you know if you want to give us a starting point and. And uh, kind of go from there, and sure. Uh, I'm sure you'll have some questions thrown at you after a while, so um, but have Absolutely. fun and go ahead. Uh, feel, free to,
2: <laughs> feel free to interject anytime. there's a question, guys. Um, just kind of a little background with it. My parents were missionaries down there. Um, they worked with indigenous tribes. Uh, my dad held several jobs as a missionary while we were down there. Um, he was what was called the contact missionary, which was his job was to literally find undiscovered indigenous tribes. Um, he was, was literally a jungle explorer. Um, so he would go into places where nobody had ever really ever been before. Um, and one of the stories takes place from there. Um, he also worked with a separate tribe after a while, and he was in uh, translation work. Um, this particular tribe had no written language at all. It was a completely unknown language. Um, so his job was to go in and learn the language first and then try and figure out how to phonetically write it down. And kind of go from there. Um, So we, most of my time was deep in the actual Amazon jungle or in one of the jungle towns or in our school base, which was out in the Andes mountains, all depending on school year and my age range and everything. Um, We came back to the States a couple of times for uh, what they call furlough, which is like a six month vacation basically. And then we head back down there And then we finally moved back, uh, when I was nine years old, we came back to the States permanently. Um, so my first stages of growing up was growing up down in the Amazon basin area of Columbia. So that kind of sets the stage for where we're at. Um, I got a couple of interesting stories down there being down there. Um, you have a totally separate wildlife than what you guys are used to up here. So things that would be crazy for you guys, uh, perfectly normal everyday stuff for us. Right. Um, uh, we would eat a lot of the local animals down there. So, a lot of the animals you find in pet shops for us were dinner. Um, so people always find that absolutely fascinating. But when you're living in the jungle, you're living off the land, right? So, if it moves growing up and are hunting, and that'll come into play a little bit later. Um, the first story I want to tell is, is one from my dad. Uh, it was just after I was born. I was barely out of the crawling stage or probably still in the crawling stage. We lived in a town on the border of Venezuela and Colombia called Puerto Unida. Um, And they raised some chickens out there. And he told a story of what he called just a big iguana uh, that would come out of the jungle and attack and eat the chickens. Um, now, if you're familiar with iguanas, it'd be kind of hard to imagine an iguana big enough to actually attack and kill chickens. Uh, so I had my dad describe it to me, and he, he said it was between six and eight foot long. And probably stood about a foot, a foot and a half off the ground um, at at the head level. Uh, So whether this was actually an iguana, I can't say for sure, but that was what he described it as, right? Um, And growing up as a kid, dad called it an iguana. So that's what we always called it, right? Just the iguana. Uh, One day it was out attacking the chickens. uh, And my dad grabbed a a big metal pole that was handy and threw it at this iguana to try and, and kill it. And he said he hit it in the head with this big heavy pole and it just kind of shook it off and looked at my dad and it kept on attacking the chicken. So it barely phased him. Um, after that point, my dad said that that iguana could have any chickens that it wanted. He wasn't going to mess with them. <laughs> um, right. So that was one of the first things. And, you know, growing up to me, it wasn't really a big deal. But after I got into the cryptozoological studies and 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 just got into it, I kind of started realizing that this probably really wasn't an actual iguana or if it was, it was definitely an unusual size uh, type creature for sure. Cause if we're talking six to eight foot long, now we're talking Komodo dragon size. We're talking uh, abnormal, you know, something definitely that isn't out of the the normal range for a green iguana down there. Um, so that was, that was one of my uh, yeah. fun stories growing up for us. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah, that uh when you were telling that, that's what I, I, was, I was looking it up because I it was I couldn't think of it. It was on the tip of my tongue, but while you're describing it, the big iguana, I'm I'm like that almost sounds like a, a komodo dragon. And and the thing is, I mean, this is a stupid question, but I mean, I know they're in certain. I never really paid much attention to where they're located. I'm sure they're in <laughs> Africa, and but uh yeah, I'm assuming they they may be down there, or I don't know, are they?
2: Well. No, Komodo dragons are isolated to uh, an island chain that's actually off the coast of South America. Um, but okay. they're definitely island, they're island isolated, so there wouldn't be any actual uh, specific Komodo dragons in that area. Because um, we're talking landlocked Central South America. Um, but, I mean, there's definitely other types of monitor lizards down there. Um, you know, usually most of those are going to be found in your Australian outback, but big lizards are everywhere you go. And the thing with reptiles is uh, they keep growing as long as they're alive. So, I mean, there is the possibility that it could be an iguana, just one that had lived for quite some time past the normal range and then just got to a massive size. So, I mean, the possibilities are always there. Um, But the fact that it was actively uh, predating on these chickens is kind of out of character for iguanas. They don't normally do that. Um, They tend to be more into fruits and herbs and insects and stuff like that. Now they will eat red meat for protein, uh, but it's not as far as my understanding goes, it's not the normal dietary habits for them. Um, so I found that part a little bit fascinating as well. When, when thinking back on the story. Hmm. Cool. Yeah.
0: You would think they would have a large abundance of food sources down in the whole general area. Uh, um, oh, for sure. But it's funny that they decided to, Shoes of chickens you know but
2: uh huh. well i mean chickens are easy prey okay. they always are especially if they're in, in a contained area or you know um i don't know exactly how they kept them but you know i could see it if it was an easy food right. source easy protein source you know uh, and it's funny because my parents live in florida right now my mom was trying to grow a garden and something kept eating her green beans and they couldn't figure it out and eventually they discovered it was a small family of iguanas were coming in under their garden fence and actually snipping off their green beans and eating their beans. So mm. uh, that was kind of interesting as well. So many years later, they're still being terrorized by iguanas eating their food source. Oh, <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> interesting. Yep. Huh. Yep. Um, All right. But you know, to get to the, the main story, the one that I know you're chomping at the bit to hear. Um, so this goes to the days where my dad was an explorer. Um, he had a crew usually of three or four guys. Um, what they would do is they would, they would hear uh, rumors of tribes that were said to exist from other tribes, um, deeper into the forest, into the jungle. Um, and then they would go and try and find them. So there was a lot of exploratory trips, uh, up and down branches of the Amazon, uh, branches of the Orinoco basin Orinoco river down there is one of the ones we were based off of a lot. Um, uh, so he tells the story of uh, them traveling down the river one time um he said he, they believed it was a, a tributary off the San Bernardino River down there which is off the Orinoco um and and one thing he always points out is is it's always glamorous right there's this jungle travel in the movies you see all these animals and these parrots and these and everything it's not really like that okay uh because the motors of the, the boat is going to scare everything away so before you even get to the point where you could see an animal, they're long gone most of the time. Uh, the, the noise of the motor just generally scares them off. So he said traveling down the river is actually really boring. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're just going down and it's just miles after mile after mile of hot, humid, green trees and brown water. And that, that's pretty much it. You, you might see something every now and then, but not very often. Um, so when they did see something, they, they always took note of it. Well, they were coming around a bend in the river Um, and way off in the distance, um, I couldn't get a figure, uh, just off in the distance up in the canopy around another bend, uh, he saw three large black figures up in the trees. Um, and he knew right away they were primate, but he said they were larger than any primate they had ever seen down there at all. Uh, he said they were roughly three to four foot tall if he had to put an estimate about it. So we're talking chimpanzee size. Um, none of the local known primates down there are that big. Um, he said he, they got to see him for a few seconds. They were up in the trees. Uh, but then they took off really fast through the forest. They figured they, they caught, uh, the noise of the motor. And so it scared them off. Um, but he said they moved through the trees exceptionally fast. Just absolutely crazy how fast they got out of there. Um, I asked him to describe them. The best he could do was they were large and they were fast. Um, he didn't know if they're. Too far away.
3: Uh-oh.
0: Well, you froze up on us a little bit here. Hold on. We may end up losing him. He's been froze there for a little while. Hmm. Hey, Justin, are you still with us? You're froze. Oh, man. I hate when that happens.
1: I know. It's the weather. He's going to have to get out. And Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, let me... Uh... All
1: right. Did you drop him off? That way he can come right. back in.
0: Yeah, because... I don't know if he was able to do it himself or if he tried. Right. So he, he could already... have been
1: all frozen. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's
2: interesting. Uh, three to four feet tall in that area. Yeah, that's... Hmm.
0: <clears throat> yeah, you know... I've... Uh, well, the thing is, I've heard stories of devil monkeys uh, here in the United States. People describe them as anywhere from three to five feet tall as he's almost baboon type monkeys or apes or whatever, you know, they describe them almost like baboon, like, you know, but with no tail, you know, and three, like I said, three to five feet. There's been different descriptions of them. So it's hard to say, you know, everybody has a different description. I mean, so it was one account that I, I don't remember much of what I read, but I read up on them. Because you know there's a lot of people that claim that they've seen similar creatures, you know, in various areas, you know. So, ah, uh, there we go. She came. He he just jumped back up.
2: Hey guys! <laughs> all right,
0: all right. Hey, yeah, you froze up there. You froze up there for like twenty seconds, and then. Uh, Okay. Yeah. What
2: was the the last so, um, the last that came through? Yeah, what
0: clearly? you were saying there.
1: <laughs> well, they had just um, fled. Oh, really when back. you
0: said they were, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were three to five they feet tall, just, and then you said, yeah, when people saw them, they were very
2: fast. Okay. Yeah, he said they they took off really fast uh, through the canopy. He likened them to how uh, spider monkeys move. Um. Just just reached out and we're gone. So they were just unbelievably fast for the size Um, They stayed in the canopy. They were not on the ground. So no no reports of if they were bipedal or not. They were definitely arboreal Um, And that that was the whole sighting Um, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lewis there Deloitte's ape is definitely what comes to mind for that Um, I you know read for years how everybody figures the Deloitte's ape was a hoax Um, but that was the only creature I could come up with uh, down there cryptologically speaking um, would be a Deloitte ape type creature. So, you know, that's what I've always called it, was the only other Deloitte ape sighting out there. Um, and I actually tried contacting researchers years ago, uh, probably when I was about 16 or 17, when I was really getting into cryptozoology, and nobody wanted to hear about it because Deloitte ZAPE was obviously a hoax. So therefore, whatever I had to say didn't matter, um, which is a shame because how often do you get a chance to hear a story like that, you know, whether it was Deloitte ape or not? it was still a fascinating thing. Um, and the things to remember is, is, uh, my dad would be out in the jungle six to eight weeks at a time. Um, they knew what was normal out there. They hunted the primates for food. We ate monkeys as the main protein source. Okay. Um, so they were very familiar with the species that were out there. The biggest one we generally had was the gray woolly monkey. Um, very large with adult males got pretty big, two feet tall. They were aggressive. Um, another comparable size would be like a black howler monkey, a large male. Um, and he said that these things were easily two to three times bigger as far as overall size than what these creatures would have been. Um, so it really caught their attention that this was something different, something that they didn't know what it was. Um, so that, yeah. that's the whole extent of that sighting right there. But it does tie into um a legend from a different Indian tribe, which I found fascinating. Um So any questions on, on the sighting or with my dad and what they were doing or anything like that before we kind of switch over to that part? But he was on the river uh, at that time. I right? just popped this up right here. Yeah, they were, they were on a boat traveling down. I believe it was like a 16 foot John boat, aluminum boat. They had specially constructed for uh, the jungle trips. Um, and they were traveling down the river when they saw it. They, they had just turned around a corner, so the field of view opened up, and they were able to see them off in the distance before the, the sound of the motor scared them away. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah,
0: Lewis uh, says, uh, I'm not sure <clears throat> exactly what... Uh, this is Size yeah. comparison of the ape and the photo sitting on the case. Yeah, the case dimensions Correct. made it far too large to be a known species.
2: Yeah, uh, that is correct. There was huh. definitely um, there was definitely some, uh, uh, I guess, disagreement on what exact crate it was. There was some markings on, or people were able to identify it, but apparently there was some dispute as to what the actual dimensions of the crate was specifically, because there was different sizes manufactured. Um, so that drew into some dispute and speculation on the actual size of the creature in the photo. Um, just from what I found in my research and going over it. Um, and if as long as we sure. talk on the photo, one thing that always gets me is people always say it's a standard spider monkey. Um, but having known spider monkeys and, and and being quite familiar with them from growing up, to me, it never looked quite right for a spider monkey in the face. Um, the facial features, uh, the way its muzzle was, and the coloration in the face just didn't sit right with me as it being a traditional spider monkey, um, in, in the photo. Um, so the photo is definitely up for dispute, but a lot of the mainstream uh, researchers uh, always have been more than likely labeling it as as a hoax photo um, from back in the day. A huh.
1: hoax photo, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Well, it's set up, set up as, you know, because I, I can't remember the time frame, late 1800s, early 1900s for the photo. Yeah. Um, set up as just a prop photo just to make it yeah. look bigger than what yeah, it was, you, were... you know, that type of thing.
1: I'm trying to find it right now.
0: Yeah, you talking about? Yeah,
2: it,
0: yeah, it's the one that had the stick uh, hold, holding the head up, yeah. holding the chain yeah. up, and it looked like it was kind of yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know exactly which one. I I've actually came across that not long ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't. I came <laughs>
0: across that. <laughs> huh. Okay.
2: So that happened while they were looking for a tribe Ooh. called the Haudenosaunee tribe. Um, that tribe actually never ended up being officially contacted. Um, they were, they just got too scared. Uh, my dad made it close. Uh, they actually found the village, but the village was already abandoned because uh, they had gotten too close and scared everybody off. Um, so what the part that I find fascinating along with it is later on, we moved to another tribe called the Maku tribe. Um, and this is where my dad got into the translation work and learning their language. Um, And what we found out eventually, uh, they have a legend or a campfire story, however you want to put it. I wouldn't necessarily call it a legend uh, of a creature that lives in the jungle. And during the day, this creature uh, sleeps in hollow trees. Um, So you don't find them during the day, but they come out at night. And if they catch a person too far away from the safety of the campfires um, or the the family group, um, it would capture them. And then it would basically kill them and and drain their blood and drink their blood. So a a vampire type thing. Um, The fascinating part is the description is classic hominid. Yeah, classic hominid, four to five foot tall, um, hairy, long arms, um, you know, nocturnal, that type of thing. Um, Whenever my dad would tell the story, he always likened it to the Tasmanian devil. Because back in that era, that was the big kids cartoon from Looney Tunes, you know, the Tasmanian devil um so upright walking on two legs hairy long arms that was that was the description of this, this creature um and for them it wasn't it, it wasn't an entity it was a real creature it, this was something that they feared um would get them if they wandered away to them it was just like a jaguar or a wild boar or any of the other creatures that were out there this was a real creature that they feared and, and looked out for um they didn't mess with hollow trees very yeah. often and and they stayed close to the campfire at night and this is one of the reasons why um i've always tied the two together um no. to me it, it go ahead right
0: oh no i uh just real quick i'm just curious uh, if, if you mm-hmm. m- mentioned it i probably i must have missed it but how t- how tall uh, or did they ever mention the height of the uh the story of the creature um, of the story <clears throat>
2: Uh, again, uh, anywhere from like four to five foot tall, uh, man size is what they would say. And the natives down there were a little okay. bit smaller in, in general stature. Um, so four to five foot tall, um, uh, nothing massive. Okay, they, 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 at, at least in the descriptions that I got, it wasn't a massively built creature. Um, you know, we're not talking eight, nine foot tall. We're just talking regular man size, but aggressive and, and definitely opportunistic and, and would definitely take out a person if they found them away from, from the safety of the group.
0: Yeah. I personally feel just from off of stories I've heard, cause you know, in other regions, the world, uh, like Asia, Asia or Indonesia, for example, you know, or China, they're pendek described, you know, mm-hmm. they don't get that big. They're, they're described as small or it, uh, or I believe it's Indonesia where they have the the uh, or maybe it's not Indonesia. there's one where they have the smaller a real small similar creature that you describe but but what you're describing yeah. I would hate to come across something like that. they sound like they're evil.
2: <laughs> oh absolutely right so, I mean they' there's out there trying to get you it's the the Amazonian <laughs> boogeyman basically <clears throat> um, but yeah I, I always tied uh, those two yeah. legends together. Um, it just makes sense to me um, that, 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 would do that. And I always found that story fascinating. Just, just coming from my dad. Now, my dad is one of these no nonsense kind of guys, um, you know, military background. Uh, he likes to have his fun, but you can always tell when he's telling stories cause they just get more and more outrageous. Uh, to, to him, this, this was serious, you know, something that actually happened to him. Um, and he, he liked to tell the story to us kids about things that happened in the jungle. And that was one that I picked up on. You know, he tells a story of one time uh, during his explorations. They were followed by the giant Amazon river otters for three days, um, followed their boat and, and played around them and caught fish and just kind of hung out with them for a few days. Um, you know, so this was just another one of those stories of things that happened to him while they were out in the jungle.
0: Wow. Yeah, here's a couple of the names that Lewis mentioned. I couldn't think of them. I, I was thinking more in the terms of uh, like a dwarf but pygmy is more what I was thinking of. But uh, the, yeah, the pukwudgies and pygmy types that she mentioned, uh, that he mentioned right here. So yeah, yeah.
2: Hmm. Um. To me, pukwudgies are more of a separate right. type than than necessarily a bigfoot type. But I see what you're saying. They tend to be a lot more diminutive. We're talking two to three feet maximum for the pukwudgies, if I remember correctly. Um. But yeah, I mean they're they're all they're all kind of the same. Unknown, we don't know what it is for sure.
0: Hmm. (laughs) Okay, yeah, it kind of gets kind of going a little bit there. You're making you think, you know, because you know, you think of something that small. You know, here we are here in the United States, where you know, we got Bigfoot, and people are like, Well, I'm in the woods, I don't see a Bigfoot, you know, but sightings and eyewitness descriptions describe them as big and massive anywhere you know from six to eight nine feet even mm-hmm. bigger but you know but then you got something you got something small like that and in a well, very I mean, large it, massive jungle you got is it really like, that small hiding, though i mean you know you know i'm like five that seven really...
2: so it's almost as tall as i am i wouldn't well, necessarily yeah. call it small i, I still want to come across it you know, it's still even at well, the description. Yeah, is yeah. still larger than anything that should be down there, as far as primate wise. You know, there there is nothing supposed to be that big down there, right? <clears throat>
0: huh. Okay. Baltimore, yeah, he's uh, he's actually been sharing some pretty interesting stuff here uh, no, from no, the Amazon. I,
4: I missed something. What asked did you to see again? What actually did you see again?
0: Come again? Uh, what
2: uh, What did he? Uh, uh, what oh, did he see? Uh, uh, so what was, uh, it was.
0: Uh, you want to kind of give him yeah. a background of what we were just describing?
2: Sure. So basically, uh, during the time in, in the jungles in South America, my dad described a story. Uh, they were traveling down a river one time, and they found uh, way off in the distance, up in the trees. Uh, three to four large uh, primates that they saw in the trees too far away for identification, but they could tell that they were much larger than any of the normal uh, primates that they would find down there. Um, okay. They got to observe them for a few seconds and then they took off through the trees um, at a high rate of speed. Um, he likened it very similar to how spider monkeys moved to the trees. They were high up in the canopy. They were not on the ground. Wow. Um, and they were a lot larger than what they would expect any primate that they knew to be wow and then we like that to a local legend from a different tribe that we worked with down there um that described a similar creature that would come out at night and if it found you away from the safety of the campfire that it would it would attack you and, and drink your blood uh with the same really? basic description four to five feet tall uh you know classic classic upright primate description, long arms hairy um Highly aggressive, territorial.
4: Wow. Okay. Yeah, because the thing is, I-, I talked to some guy, some men in uh, in Mexico area, and he was saying that uh, they would see stuff, uh, they would see stuff all the time down there, mm-hmm. but they just don't share with anybody, and like here in the states, they kind of go a little bit overboard. But down over there, they see stuff, and they just keep that to themselves
2: yeah it's part yeah. of it's part of the local culture. It's like I was explaining with my family there was a lot of that was just everyday life for us, right know? I mean we the animals were the animals, and you came across things that we knew probably nobody else had ever seen before, but that was just kind of our regular life for us, so it really wasn't anything we took a lot of note of unless there was something exceptional about it, you know like size right. or a specific event. Yeah, because
4: a lot of stuff, when uh, when people, when stuff actually happens to, uh, like, especially the old timers, when the, when the old timers come up there and, uh, and have something like that or actually see a Bigfoot or whatever or these certain encounters, man, it's like hush. They don't tell nobody nothing because they feel that it's a form of witchcraft and bad taboo.
3: Mm-hmm. And if I mm-hmm. tell
4: somebody something, Something bad's going to happen to me. So, uh, I mean, that's our legend. And that's the way that we always, um, that was the way that we were always raised.
2: Mm -hmm. And and see, for us, it was more of just, they were just animals. There was nothing for us to fear if we knew how to protect ourselves. Right. Um, You you know, uh, growing up where I was, I learned how to use firearms at a very young age. Um, I had my own machete by the time I was in kindergarten and I knew how to use it. Wow. Um, so we we were taught how to how to deal with stuff. You know, we, we were taught how to deal with snakes and spiders and scorpions and, and and any other thing we would come across. You know, you just you learn what's in your area and you learn how to deal with it. Yep. Yeah.
4: That's uh, you know that's what they taught us too. You you, you actually have to learn your terrain, the animals mm-hmm. around there, and everything like that. Even even stuff dealing with the seasons, because yep. some, there's sometimes also too dealing with food and the food supplies that's actually out there that uh, we can actually snack on uh, just in case if, uh, if uh, um, uh, uh, when we can't find any food. So we have to depend mm-hmm. upon nature and what grows where. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, uh, part of, of how yeah. we were raised and, and dealing with what we did is by the time I was in first grade, I basically had the skills where I could survive out in the jungles or the mountains on my own for two weeks Wow, um, it was our training. Um, just because of where we lived and what we were dealing with and, and, and some of the the cultural and political stuff that was happening where we were at, um, that was just part of us growing up, you know, our playtime consisted of building forts and shelters out in the jungle or, or or camping over the weekend. You know, we'd take, you know, if we were out at the school base, we'd take horses out and we'd go for a weekend camp out and all we'd bring with us was, you know, uh, normally our And that'd be about yeah. it. And so we, a group of us, would go out there and, and camp for the weekend. Um, so that, that kind of that was our normal activities. Our, our play was training for us on how to do that. You know, well, that's
4: cool. yeah, that's great you say that because that's the way that we were trained. When we were younger, and mm-hmm. uh, actually how to bend certain tree branches and not break them all the way and stuff like that to make well mm-hmm. You know, we were raised up with uh, uh, with uh, with wiki ups and things like that, and and houses, and uh, A-frames, and all this other stuff, and uh, actually depend upon, you know, even sh- scraping the uh, the tree barks just to make rope, or using yeah. the pizza, yeah, using the pitas as rope, and, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff we've been raised with, man, it, it, uh, that's fascinating.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, again, you know, a lot of people don't understand, but that was his normal life, you know, mm-hmm. um, that was everyday every day so none of it actually stands out so it, it it intrigues me when i come across other people and they find that all so fascinating and i'm just going yeah i just went out and played in the woods <laughs> you know i mean that's what we did
4: <laughs> now let me ask you this what's the weirdest thing that you ate in the jungle on the woods well, out there?
2: oh man so the weirdest for me or the weirdest for you guys that that's <laughs> usually the big yeah. question i ask right yeah. no um right.
1: You you <laughs> ate uh, um, guinea pigs, right, in th- that whole Peru area? We, you,
2: we so. didn't eat guinea pigs. We didn't have them where we were at. We ate, um we call them what do you the capybara. Uh-huh. Um, what do you guys call them, capybaras? I, I can't even say it without a, a Spanish yeah. accent, right, capybara? Uh, uh-huh. We ate those. Uh, we called them chuiti. That was the native term for it, and those were definitely a food source for us. Um, wow. Taper. We used to eat wild taper. Uh, monkeys was definitely a high protein for us. Wow. Uh, scarlet macaws. We ate those. Wow. Um, probably the strangest thing, uh, for that, that, grosses most people out is a lot of Denians down there. They'd find wood grubs <laughs> in the, the down trees and wood grubs were a big delicacy. Yes. Um, yeah. and so you found, you found, and I, I personally didn't care for them and nobody in my family would actually care for them because we try them. You eat what the locals eat, you know. Um, but main food source, the, the we ate piranha a lot for our fish source. Um, we had piranha all over the place, and they're basically small panfish. And so, we you know, if we were eating fish, it was either piranha or peacock bass. So people usually find that one pretty outrageous that we'd eat the piranha instead of them eating us. Let me ask you yeah. this. Have you <laughs>
4: eaten uh, well, uh, eat, uh, a tarantula, <laughs> The spider?
2: uh i have not eaten one um those were generally things we stayed away from in fact i I actually have a giant tarantula story um i had written down here to to share with you guys as well um cool so my my dad and my sister i'm the youngest of four i was the only one actually born uh down there um but my dad (laughs) and my sister who's a few years older than me were out turkey hunting for wild turkey Um, And they came across uh, – they don't have trails like in the movies, right? Like going through the jungle is not like the movies. But they were were going around an area, and they came across this big fallen log, and sitting on the log was a tarantula. Wow. Um, Except this tarantula, the body alone, without the legs, was the size of a large dinner plate or a paper plate. Wow. So we're talking a good 10 to 12 inches across the body – Alone, without the legs, um, it was uh, very dark black, very hairy, like a tarantula. Uh, but the coloration on it was uh, thick stripes of bright orange and bright red uh, for the coloration. Oh,
1: bird killer! Wow, Aren't those killer um, ones. That's actually pretty cool.
2: Bigger. So a uh, Goliath spider is what you're talking about. The, the bird killers, the bird eating spiders. Okay. Um, they're not actually tarantulas, as far as I understand that They're they're more just a, a very big spider. Um, They get, like, the size of your hand a little bit bigger. If, if you spread your hand out, um, they get about that size. This thing was, you know, two to three times that size.
1: Wow.
2: Um, Amazing. And, and, again, that's just the body itself. We're talking a foot across without the extension of the legs. Wow. So it would have been absolutely wow. massive. Um, yeah. it, it's not a six-foot one that you hear about in certain areas, but – It's still a massive spider, and they just kind of looked at it for a little (laughs) bit and turned and found another way around the log. (laughs) Yeah,
4: there's a legend out there, too. Justin,
2: if I could throw in there. Yeah. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there real quick. The conclusion, after hearing what you've been trained and grown up with and everything, you're like a real-life mm-hmm. Crocodile Dundee of the Amazon, <laughs> you know, basically. Um, um, and the other thing that came to my mind... <laughs> and, and then uh, you could be on a Survivor Man edition of the Amazon, you know? It's like you, you, you got the skill, <laughs> yeah, you, you, know, got, you know, you're not afraid to eat anything.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not like that anymore. I, I'm soft and Americanized. I've been here for 30 <laughs> years now, so, you know, I'm a little softer than I used to be. Uh, back when the show... Uh, survivor first came out my parents used to always joke that they should put me on there all i need is a machete and i'd win um, <laughs> and they said uh, especially when survivor amazon came out um they they said uh, all i would have to do is grab a machete and i just go find a local tribe and live with them for the whole time and, and kind of go from there um so yeah i mean that's what? that was just part of it <laughs> wow
0: That's awesome. There, There is one question uh, that's up on the chat for you. I'm sure yeah. if there is, you would have gotten to this eventually. But uh, Bigfoot Stories asked, is there any stories of uh, Am- Amazonian giants?
2: So. Um, not from where I was at at all. Um, as far as human giants or humanoid, okay. uh, nothing that I've ever heard of. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, To be honest with you, just because of everything else I've seen out there, uh, things can get big and crazy. And, and and until you've been there, you can't really appreciate the size. It's like we talk about Bigfoot in the States, right? And they say you don't really have an understanding of how much wild land is actually out there. You, it, it's vast. You know, most people can't comprehend the jungle is like that, but 10 times worse. Um, the, the density of the jungle, can um, the imagine. canopy the canopy can be 200 feet above the ground, you know? Um, And when, once you're up out of the, 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 uh, brush off the the floor, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty clear. So if you're something big enough that can get through that brush pretty easy, um, uh, there's no reason why they couldn't survive (laughs) out there. The food source is there. The abilities is there. You you know what I mean? So, um, I, if there are, populations of, of giants out there, I don't see why they couldn't be there. That would be an area I would peg for it. Huh. Hmm.
1: Cause there are a okay. lot of legends of large uh, animals in North want, America. Yeah. <coughs>
2: what, yeah that, I mean, we
0: always just, Yeah, Baltimore there was uh Yeah, there was something you wanted to say to him too. I wanted to make sure you had a, a yeah. had your chance to get back in there
4: yeah you know man man had this small uh mind thing and i completely forgot what i was going to tell him so <laughs> yeah we forget pretty easily stuff
0: oh i'm sorry that's all right
4: that's okay
0: <laughs> it's okay hey daniel, uh,
4: hey daniel uh also too uh I, I i talked to your uh i talked to you earlier about this week um uh, this uh um uh, this man contacted me and asked asked me to uh to talk about some paranormal stuff and some Bigfoot stuff and everything like that, and I mentioned uh, the ECBRO uh, with the, uh, with y'all's first annual oh. stuff up there, and um, and uh, so that uh, that book should be coming out soon. So I did mention you, uh, uh, y'all's group. Okay. there.
0: Mm-hmm. Very yeah. awesome. That, that's yeah. I'm interested to see how that comes out. Sweet. Yep. Okay. Um, here's another statement from lewis so giants are inland or on the west coast of south america or yeah or some something like that yeah
2: so where we were at we were on the other side of the andes so we weren't on the coastal side we were in the actual amazon basin um so if you're talking in their inland or if you're talking coastal on the other side of the the andes mountains i'm sorry um so, uh, yeah, red howlers, um, they're built differently. Um, howler monkeys were definitely ones that we were familiar with. We used to hunt and eat those, um, ATL clutch here, um, talking about the red howlers. Uh, we mostly had black howlers where we were at. Um, we were definitely familiar with those. Um, I, I can remember times that we'd have a troop coming through the canopy, and it sounded like a, a train was going through because the males would just get up and get so loud and get their calls and their, their, their wow. uh, bellows going. Um, so we were very familiar with those. That that was the other one I mentioned as one of the larger primates that were down there, um, and that was one of the ones I asked my dad about because with it being specifically black, the black howler is, is a big black black monkey. Um, but he definitely said no, this this was bigger than them as far as overall size and, and the way it operated and stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean that was one oh, okay. of the ones we looked at was was the big was the big howlers because the big males they can get big. Um, but did they they're, they're pee and
1: on you as they went by?
2: <laughs> um, you know, we we actually had our house kind of in a clearing on the edge of a clearing, so they kind of went around the clearing. Um, so I never had that problem. I, I didn't get to go out on a lot of the hunting trips when we were hunting for the big, uh, the big prey because I would just get in the way for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, I was still young, you know. Um, but we did have pet monkeys a lot of times, and yes, they would definitely. Uh, you'd have Let to look it go. out for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's that well, really having a pet monkey, get- I'm sorry I was just thinking oh, oh, no, the mapinguari the that they report in Brazil is in uh, Brazil. one of the big yeah. ones that a lot of people go looking for
2: yep. um, I've heard a few different theories on the Mop-ing-wari. Um the description doesn't fit with the things that I'm familiar with down there Um I'm more into the camp of thinking it might be a type of a giant ground sloth just based on the description of, of how it works and how it moves. Yeah, um, I think there's some folklore involved in that. because They talk about having the the mouth in the middle of the stomach. I'm not really sure what that's about. Oh, yeah, um, It makes me think of a marsupial type creature that has a pouch there. Um, so if there was a pouch with with a baby in it or something right. in it, I could see where they would confuse that with having a mouth and something being in the mouth. Um, marsupials weren't really something we had experience with down there, uh, on a large scale. So I could see where that would be confusing, uh, to, to people when they're dealing with something like that. So, um, definitely up in the air with that. I'm not in the camp that believes Mopanguari is just another name for a Bigfoot. I think it's a different creature altogether. I think so too. Nobody knows, right? So that's the whole point of what we do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're talking about some of you guys have uh, been known to have pet monkeys down there. Uh, we I can several. only imagine yep. you guys having a pet monkey, and you're like, all of a sudden, you're... Yeah, I can only imagine you guys get real hungry, and you're starving, and you're waiting for dinner, and you look at your pet, and you're like, hmm, <laughs> you look delicious.
2: <laughs> well, um, that... So, that's that's actually funny you would say that, because uh, we were never allowed to do that, um, because they were our family oh, pets, man. and just like you guys have with, with pets, you know... Um, so the way we would get a pet monkey is usually it'd be after a hunting party would go out and they would shoot the mother. Um, and they use the Karari tipped, uh, darts, just like you see in the movies. That's what our Indians used. Um, and it's a paralytic poison. It's not a killing poison. It's a paralyzing. So what would happen is they would shoot the mother. Um, she would get paralyzed and fall out of the tree. And, and many times the babies would survive the fall. Um, and so what the Indians would do at that point is they would collect the babies and we would trade for them. They didn't have any money. So we use a barter system, but that's how we would acquire the baby monkeys for pets is we'd, we'd barter with them. Um, but they are wild animals and, and especially with the males, by the time they start reaching uh, sexual maturity, they start getting really aggressive, um, very mischievous, very mean, um, different things like that. And so we would recycle them as we called it. Uh, we would give them back to the Indians uh, because we couldn't eat them. They were our pets. Um, but that, that was, you know, definitely an option on there, but they were, they were great, great pets. You know, we had a lot of fun with them. Um, over the time we had several different species, um, and they were just, just fun all around pets to have. And I want to get another one someday for sure. Very cool. Yeah. I know,
0: uh, I know somebody that has got a pet monkey, yeah, they seem to be getting more common with certain people. I mean, I've seen other people's, I don't, people that I don't know that post pictures where they're pet monkeys and stuff, but here in the United yeah, States. Well, but,
1: some states uh, don't allow monkeys as pets. There's
2: yeah, they're still considered lot. an exotic animal. So you have to have an exotic yeah. animal license and special inspections yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And the ones that you guys normally see up here for pets, the the capuchin monkeys, those were the ones that we generally had down there. Um, Oh, cool. They're very common for us down there. Uh, We called them takawit. Again, that was the Indian term for them. Um, And I think we probably had three or four pets that were that species of monkeys. Very common for us down there. Ours tend to be a little bit darker in color. They weren't the the blonde that you see a lot, especially in the movies. You see the really (laughs) blonde colored ones. Um, ours were uh, darker, brown, rustier colored brown than the blonde. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was a very common species for us. Huh. Okay. And if you guys ever look me up on Facebook, I got a couple of uh... Uh, photo albums on there. We can actually go see. I got a picture of one of our monkeys on there.
0: Oh, wow. All <clears> right. <throat> uh... Um. Let's see. Hold on. Again. I'm going back and forth.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Lewis The mop and boy yeah. being giant ground sloth. Oops, hold on, I already shared that.
4: Now let me ask yeah. you this: <laughs> dealing with the ground loss what is the uh, um what
2: be a giant sloth? I'm sorry, we were breaking up through there. What was that?
4: Uh, what is the possibility that they could be uh, a giant sloth? Uh, because I know real well that they needed to have some type of greenery uh, in order for them to survive down there. Um, so, And I was want to figure out what's the odds of there being a giant sloth down there.
2: You, you know, that's a hard one because that's one of those prehistoric survivors. Um, right. I, I think that Again, if there was a place where something like that could live, um, the Amazon jungle, even the, you know, the Brazilian side, wherever, I mean, what more of an ideal place? You have the isolation, you have an amazing array of food sources down there. Um, if they are plant specific, then why not a plant in the rainforest? You know what I mean? So right. um, the cover is there. The isolation is there. The, the food sources would be there. Water sources, lack of, of main predators. Um, yeah, you have the Jaguar down there, um, but for something that size, you know, most critters are going to stay away from it anyway. So, what more of an right. ideal place if you're actually looking at it? So, I think the odds would be pretty good. We have sloths down there anyway. Um, you know, three-toed sloths, two-toed uh, sloth varieties, they're they're down there. Um, so, I don't see why something like that couldn't exist there.
4: Right. Now I got a I got a weird story for y'all and uh, a little bit off the Bigfoot thing, Um, and uh, y'all can probably look this up. I think in two thousand, I believe in two thousand sixteen, that there was a uh, a raptor that they actually seen going down a town called Heaven in uh, Heavenville, Texas, in two thousand (laughs) sixteen. and uh and they actually and uh, they actually wrote some stories about it so i don't know if y'all, anybody ever heard of that that raptor raptor like around is the, three the, to four the
2: feet dinosaur time. the dinosaur style right. raptor right okay i've heard a lot of stories out um that area i um, not not firsthand but just in my my research of of doing you know just looking stuff up because that's kind of what i do Um, right. Stories dating back quite some time of, of various sightings, even before the movies, a lot of people link them, you know, Oh, people saw the Jurassic Park movies and therefore they're, you know, creating what they want to see. Um, right. JC Johnson did a lot of research down there. Um, and there's a lot of stories coming out from the four corners area down there out of Texas, uh, New Mexico, the whole area. Um, especially along the river bottoms, if I remember correctly as what his research shows. Correct. Um, a lot of the river bottoms were showing reports of small dinosaur creatures that were described as raptors. Yeah. And, you know, who am I, who yeah, am I to first, say no? At,
4: <laughs> right. At first, at first it was kind of odd. And then I was doing a little bit more research here and and I was going and uh, if it could possibly, and uh, that's, and uh, the way that people that were describing it, uh, I thought that was pretty fascinating. And I'm going, 2016 and people seeing raptors, I was, I was going man. So the thing is, yeah. the next thing is that I was thinking about is uh, where, would they possibly be coming from. So I know that they if, uh, if they did did do anything, they probably might be crossing that San, I mean uh, that Rio Grande River, or you know, or found the shelters down in the in the in the mountains of Mexico.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, personally familiar with the terrain down there, but I mean. Um, again, you're talking desert area, isolated area, hot areas, perfect right. for reptiles. Um, Correct. And, and we don't know how they move. We don't know if they were always bipedal or if they also go down on all fours, maybe more like a more traditional monitor lizard. Um, we don't know at all how right. they could move. Maybe just when they're running, they get up like a basilisk and they get up on their hind legs and run. Um, but Correct. I've, I've read reports going back, you know, um, I. For some reason, the year 1936 is coming to my mind. I'm not really sure why, um, but I, I've I've read a ton of reports from that area of dinosaurs, small, not giant, like you said. You know, two, three, four foot tall, um, running alongside of cars. You know, getting scared up and, and just kind of running alongside the roadway. Uh, three toed tracks being found on the river basins down there. full reports right. from all different time frames. Uh, not very often and they're not common but they're there
4: right and uh, uh deborah comes over there and starts saying uh reports about the thunderbird uh we've uh, we in 1975 we actually had uh sightings of that creature down here and uh there was quite a bit of them down here and uh, they actually saw some uh, a few of them in san Antonio. And uh, then Rob's down in a few areas like that around South Central Texas, and people have been still seeing them around to this day.
1: Yep. My husband had an account. Really? Yep. We were living in Colorado Springs at the time. And uh, he came home because he uh, was doing a night shift. He was an MP, so he was on post and... uh, He came home and he goes, the weirdest thing happened to me last night. And I'm like, what? He goes, I was attacked by a big creature. And I go, what? You're joking. And he said, no, something flying. And the wings were larger than the cruiser. And I go, what? He goes, the wings were larger than the cruiser. (coughs) I go, well, maybe you saw a big eagle or something, because we have bald eagles there, you know, next to the mountain, and he said, no, this thing was in a culvert near the side of the road, and when he drove by, it hopped out, and he said, did one of these, and the wings went over the, and it was gone, because it was dark, he didn't, he couldn't look out and see anything, it was just gone. Wow. Said that he had seen the wings, He says it was a huge bird. He said it could have been a condor. I don't know. But he said the wings were larger than the one wing. Okay, not just all of it. One wing was larger than the cruiser. Wow. And it scared the shit out of him. He kind of threw the wheel and skidded to a stop. And he, he said he thought he could hear something, but it was freaking him out and he didn't want to tell anybody <laughs> and he just went on about his business and never told anybody, but me the next day. wow! And uh, but oddly enough, years later, as I was doing shows and stuff, I did some research on the Thunderbird and locations of sightings. There had been sightings in that area. Wow. And at that time when we lived there, not 10 miles away, there had been a sighting.
4: Wow, that's amazing. And I
1: thought, oh my god, maybe oh. he really did see something out there because there were other eyewitnesses to a large pterodactyl-looking bird out there, uh off of uh you know, Colorado Springs area. And it's a really you know, the base Fort Carson is really, really large. There's a lot of area, nobody would even go in or wow. touch it's very close to the mountains so who knows what you know what it was but it was years later before i knew there were really sightings in that area yeah so it's kind of weird
0: well nikki if you if you ever saw a bigfoot and you tell your husband you think he'll believe you if you saw one
1: yeah probably he knows i'm not fooling around and he knows <laughs> that i don't lie you know, but he won't go out with me. Right? <laughs> he's like, no. He won't even go. He camp. He's he calls it camping for a living. He was military for twenty six years. He goes, I ain't going camping. That's no fun for me. I did it for twenty six years. He's like, you know, that's <laughs> that, I ain't going camping. <laughs> he doesn't. If that's not fun uh, for he's got to find a. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah. I go. Yeah, we'll you just buy a camper or RV.
1: That is not fun for him. He does not want anything to do with going out in the woods like how I do. So I I can't involve him. And he, we always scared him with bears and stuff. So he, no, he's like, oh hell no, he won't go out.
0: (laughs) Nothing to do with that. But Forrest says, I wonder if the thunderbird is a raptor or stork family like vultures.
1: Huh, There's all kinds, of, all kinds of different, uh, you know, prehistoric, it can go, it depends, you know, is it a lost prehistoric um, type of pterosaur or is it a, a vulture, and that type of <clears throat> bird, you know, I, those uh, California vultures, what are they called? The condors.
2: The condors. Uh,
1: the condors they're large. They're pretty big.
2: So the thing with the condors, uh, we had the Andean condors growing up where we were. Um, and the same thing with vultures. If you look at the reports of the Thunderbirds, there's a lot of reports of them uh, swooping down and carrying away. Right, Obviously, the the famous case out of Illinois where they grabbed the, the young child and then oh, yeah. carried him off for a little bit. Um, cases of them carrying away pets and everything. Uh, condor-type creatures, the, the vultures and the condors, they don't have... Uh, the foot structures to really do that. Um, they're carrying eaters. They're not prey. They, they don't swoop down and carry stuff off. They just don't have structures for that. Uh, so to me, uh, you're, losing him. Uh, you're yeah, br- losing him.
1: Yeah,
0: losing him. Yeah, yeah justin you're uh you're breaking up bad and you're freezing up a little bit you might have you mm-hmm. might have to drop and come back in all right i don't know if you heard me i i dropped up wait a minute Hold on.
4: it's probably reset and come back in. that's what
0: Hold i had on. to do hey justin you there Hello? All right, hold on.
1: And we lost Pat altogether, or did he have to go somewhere?
0: I don't know. He didn't message me. Not, not only that, uh, he probably got tied up with some hanky-panky. I don't know. <laughs> All right, hold on. It's buffering. We're trying to get Justin Um, yeah, down. Yeah, Zach yeah, down. Derek yeah. mentions right here. Right, there he is. He's
2: back. Hold on. I'm sorry, for guys. let me <laughs> here. Nope. All right. Uh, Justin, you there? Just. Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Oh no. Oh yeah. All right. All right. At least for the next five minutes. All right. Yeah, Yeah, we lost you there for the last
0: almost, Probably almost a minute
2: Uh, I was just saying that my belief on it Given uh, the sighting reports And everything that happens That they're just not something in the vulture or condor family Even though the size span is there um, But just the way they they use their feet uh, They they don't have the gripping power That a raptor is going to have to swoop down And pick something up It's not their MO They're carrion feeders They're not going after live prey like that um, so for me, that just kind of automatically rules out anything from the Condor of Ultra family, um, just just by reading their characteristics of how they behave.
4: Yeah. Justin, I'm gonna ask you a question. Sure. Um, are you familiar with the Chupacabra?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Now, okay. okay. Let me let me clarify that. Are you referring to the original Chupacabra or what they call uh, the Chupacabra nowadays?
4: No, I'm talking about the original chupacabra, of, uh, okay. the size, two tall, you know, small yep, spines back the early head. 90s. I'm talking yep. about the real chupacabra, not that blue dog. I'm yeah, talking absolutely. About the real one. Yeah. Now let me ask um, you this. Now let me ask you this question. Now, um, now, do you think that uh, because the chupacabra is basically shaped something like a little raptor? And I was, and uh, uh, so, and I was thinking that maybe that that's what they're actually started seeing around here because, they, you know, you know how the way that their body shapes are. Yeah. Uh, and I was, yeah. and uh, so, and that always got me, uh, uh, I've always puzzled like that because uh, when I was taking care of, uh, of some Angora goats that I would actually find uh, small little tracks like that after uh, a, a goat kill. And uh, okay. so that's yeah. why I was thought that maybe that could it be uh, it was closely related to a raptor. But uh, you but know,
2: the... I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, and uh, you know the you know uh, uh, per- paralyzing their prey by sticking that thing in back of their head, having that hole underneath their uh, underneath their uh, pretty close to their heart underneath their le- uh, mm-hmm. where their mm-hmm. uh, things are there. Uh, mm-hmm. So and, and um, to me, uh, to me, it, w- it was something like a little raptor. Uh, I've actually seen one, but it, uh, but it traveled too fast and went into the f- into the brush way too fast. So details, um, I couldn't, I couldn't give it to you because it was next to, uh, next to uh, a goat that was actually being attacked.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've never correlated the two just based on the physical description, uh, of the Chupacabra from the early nineties. Um, the, the characteristics of the kills, I mean, I could definitely see something like that. Um, the, the sharp teeth, the precision, um, you know, the speed, the speed that everything happens. Definitely. I I could see a pack of, of something like a Raptor or something similar doing that, but the description of it to me isn't, isn't Raptor, right? Because we're talking more primate and body style as far as a rounder head um, actual arms and right. legs, um, you know, um, the, the big eyes was a main point in the description that the large eyes, um, to me, those, uh, those don't fit the traditional thinking of what a raptor type creature would be or, or something like that. Not saying it couldn't be. I mean, obviously right. we got different, different types of reptilians out there nowadays. You got some with big or broad flat heads, some with the large, you know, large snouts on them. Um, that is one of those ones right. I've always put up there as we just don't know what the heck it is. Um, it could be anything and it could be nothing. I mean, you just really don't know. I believe there's something out there. I don't believe in correlating the original Chupacabra with what they're calling now the Chupacabra, the blue dog. I think it's completely right. separate. Um, exactly. You can get a, you can get into all kinds of conspiracy theories about that as to why it's being put out there as misinformation if you want to. Um, right. I think it's totally separate things. Um, but I've never likened them specifically to like a raptor type thing. I, I think there's too many, too many variances in the physical description. Um, right. I mean, I've even heard reports of these things having wings and flying. So, um, my, yes. my belief in the, the Chupacabra thing is it, it's a conglomerate of a few different entities that kind of all got put together based on the fact that it, they attack livestock. Um, so basically, in, in, in Latin culture, if you're in that area and something kills your livestock and you don't know what it is and it's mysterious, mm-hmm. it's a chupacabra, you know, just just basically yeah. based on the name alone. Um, now, they're calling uh, it chupacabras. Did you hear yeah, about that
4: man t- who actually killed one in, uh, in Potee, Texas? Did you hear about that story?
2: Um, only the blue dog version. I've never heard of anyone actually killing uh, the original type.
4: OK, because there was a man. That he actually killed the chupacabra because it was after his chickens. He actually killed it. Okay. And it was actually laying in his yard for a couple of days. And he did not want to know, he didn't know what to do with it. Oh. And he contacted. I, he contacted, I remember
0: that story, Baltimore.
4: Yeah, and he contacted the, the sheriff department. And then after that, the person from the military came up there and picked it up and told him for him not to uh, share it in the American news. If some because something was going to well basically threaten him, you know not, right. not to give him this right. information. So what he did was, oh fine, I won't share in the uh, American news at all. But what he did was, he shared it to the Mexican news, and actually actually had a photo of it, and uh, and uh, it was going around the internet. Somebody, I think, uh, a matter of fact, Bob uh, Bob Wong, whatever his name is, Bobcat, actually had a photo of it. And his and I was trying to find it everywhere, but he had the original <laughs> photo of it exactly the way it was, the big eyes and everything on it. But That's now on the internet you cannot find it anywhere else.
2: It's been scrubbed. Oh. Yep. So uh but I'll thing find is, it. Yep. challenge accepted. Yes.
4: <laughs> but see the thing is again, there's stuff out there to me. To me, there is something. Uh, I've always said it. And I always said it in the show. You know, something happened in 1975 because uh, no, it's
2: not. Oh that, wow! No, no, no. That's the blue dog. Yeah, nah, that's
4: the blue
0: I, dog
1: one.
0: Yeah, Nikki sent that to me.
1: I was no. I sent that one because yeah. it had the both the one that's like up on its hind legs. The you know the yeah cartoon yes, kinds, so, but um no there there's just so oops what did i do um so much out there i mean there are tons of pictures right now i'm looking at
4: i mean there's i mean there's i mean uh, there's there's some stuff out there i mean there's so much stuff out there that uh, you know that happens to people well, th- well let me get back to this thing in 19 19- something happened here in 1975 because that's when the big bird started, uh, you know, happening down here, and actually the uh, the lizard man started happening, and a lot of more cryptids started happening down here, and that year. So, and then I was thinking about you know what's going to happen now, uh, you know, to see what other cryptids are going to start showing up now. So it uh, cryptids, you know, every time when something happens bad to our, uh, uh, to uh, to Mother Earth, uh, we start seeing a lot more other strange stuff. You know, we just, uh, uh, we just finished seeing a comet go by, and uh, every time when you see a comet go by in our Native American teachings, and actually said that you're going to start seeing a lot more other things happen here, and then the, the, the thing that comes to mind is that I wonder what kind of cryptic, cryptic stuff that we're going to start seeing now, so... And the thing is, the million-dollar question is that, where are they coming
1: from? Ooh, this one's creepy. Let me send this one to you. <laughs>
2: I yeah, can't. I mean, we could we could go off on so many rabbit trails. For sure. Uh, discussing yeah. that, Baldemar, for sure. Uh, I, I kind of study anything that's strange and, and out of the ordinary in Fortean. I'm, I'm not much of a field researcher. I've got some health issues and stuff, but I've always been uh, what I call an archival researcher. I go through stories and books and and just anything i can find i read and i read and um i tend to remember a lot of it um i I don't have photographic memory or anything like that but i I tend to remember it um and i connect a lot of threads you know i'll read so many stories and so far apart and eventually you kind of start seeing like occurrences or or different patterns and there's definitely waves of uh high strangeness that happen when you're looking into the 14 world and it seems like each new wave, things get progressively stranger. You know, you, you if you right. look back in time, it was kind of mild weird stuff, and now right. it's getting into more more high strangeness. And, and now you're talking uh, sheep squatch and and dogmen and bat squatch and all these other crazy things coming out. And you got to go. Is it simply because people are more comfortable sharing this, or is it because this, this is like like new wave of of things happening and new occurrences? Um, we just we just don't know. But, you know, it definitely seems like things get progressively uh, weirder as, as the waves keep happening. Um, is it a cultural phenomenon? I don't know. It, it, you know, who knows? But I just find it fascinating. Yeah, good answer. Love your answer. Excellent. OK, yeah. Colonel, uh, Percy before I show
0: uh, Nick, oh. the picture that Nikki sent me up. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to ask you, what, what do you know about this?
2: Okay. Um, South American ape man. So again, uh, you're looking at local term terminologies down there. Um, I arrows could not speak except for grunts. Uh, so, I mean, if we're talking like that. You could be describing an eight man. You could be describing an unknown tribe. Um, it, it's hard to say specifically down there, you know, um, Percy Fawcett, I mean, Come on he was one of the last famous jungle explorers right um described giant anacondas and and just all kinds of amazing stuff um let me see going through a mental flaw yeah so one of the things i look at down there is there's so many names for the same thing right just like here in the states you got bigfoot sasquatch um oma you know booger haints it depends on where you're at what you call it so um, I go more by description than more than names because names are just what people call them in that area. Right. And you guys find that in your research, um, large wild man her, Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. Right. So you get descriptions, yeah. um, everywhere of all different sizes. I'm a big believer that there's more than one type of creature out there that fits the, the Bigfoot nomenclature, um, from pygmy size, dwarf size, the ring all the way up to forest giants, you know, different things like that. There you go. Um that that picture, if I remember correctly, was debunked as a statue. Um it was. Yeah. That that's a that was one that was a statue at an attraction somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a cool picture. I've always liked that one. <laughs>
4: yeah. All right. Bushing my bubble. I like it. Yeah, I like when they <laughs> Not to tell people, "Hey, I was wrong." It's, de- <laughs>
2: it's okay.
0: yeah, it's definitely creepy looking. <laughs> it's It, it
2: is. So. It is the, yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> definitely. If you look at the old explorers, man, you're talking Marco Polo, you're talking Napoleon, and you want to look for weird stuff. Uh, these guys found weird stuff all over the place, right? So, um, I, I've never heard specifically of Percy Fawcett uh, coming across the tribe like that that attacked him, but you know could it have been um a bigfoot type that was using weapons possibly it could have been another tribe out there too um working working with the amazon tribes you're talking about isolationism right so uh one of the unique things about the tribe that my dad worked with and that i grew up with was the maku tribe uh, right. their language base was very similar to asiatic languages even though they're they're landlocked there in central south america uh, their language type was based off asiatic language um their their facial structures and and their uh features themselves were very asiatic and oriental in nature um which goes against everything right that we know of south america as far as how the the populations got there so each individual tribe is its own unique culture and, and and isolated so i could definitely see a large group of people that were large and hairy you know you're talking barbarian style right old germanic tribes or or far north norsemen type thing there's no reason why there couldn't be that type of genetic structure down there as well so so who knows you know i haven't read those part of the reports i haven't looked into anything as far as that goes from from percy fawcett uh regarding those events
3: (coughs)
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um. See. Oh, we got some more things to pop up here. Um. See the Hoop- All right. What's this here? Uh, from Deborah. The Hoopa and Karuk mm-hmm. tribes talk about the little people that live in the mountains that are covered in hair, that are a type of very small Bigfoot. <laughs> now, I'm yep. assuming if you read. I'm not. I'm not familiar with. it. Is this somewhere in South America as well? I'm assuming.
2: No, Hoopa uh, tribe. Coast. That's that's California, right? Pacific Northwest, Northern California, if I remember correctly. Um, Hoopa tribe. So you're talking oh, David Pilate's okay. books, The Hoopa Project. Um, that first got his, oh, his okay. name into the Bigfoot world. Yeah. Um, I love the little people. They're brats. <laughs> um. Yeah, little people are found. <laughs>
4: no.
2: Go ahead. Everywhere. Yeah, they're they're everywhere. Now, uh, they're they're cross cultural. They're they're all over. You know, the, you know, you have the the little Bigfoot creatures. They're just even even the Yeti. If you read Lauren Coleman's books, he describes several different types of Yetis, and some of them are very small in nature, um, and not always just the giant, abominable snowman types that that we're familiar with. You know, they're definitely out there.
4: Right now, we uh, we we call little people. Uh, uh, the uh, the Apaches have a legend of, uh, about the little people. But the thing is, uh, we don't call them the little people. We call them duendes, and uh, duendes. they they would ask duendes, mm-hmm. and uh, they would. Uh, and then there's sometimes it, it baffled me, and I was in a, I was in a uh, stunned because I would find very very tiny little arrowheads, maybe the size of your thumbnail, and it was made perfectly. And uh, they were uh, they were there in the ground, everything like that type deal. And mm-hmm. I'm going, and they were look, uh, they looked like they were left there like an offering. And anytime mm-hmm. with stuff like that is <clears throat> left there, you know, it's kind of that that kind of stuff you don't touch, you don't mess with. And uh, so, and and, uh, and I was looking around there, and I was looking around this little area and everything like that. And I was going, this is odd. I said they cannot use this for hunting; they could not use this for anything. But the legend of the Duende came and actually that they, they were actually offering, making little weapons for the Duendas. And um, okay. so um, now right. when uh, now when we're at our house and we lose our car keys or we lose something, we know we put them down there. We always say, oh, there's a little Duendis in the house. And we have to leave <laughs> like a little sugar or something like candy or something like that in the house. And, you know, give it to him as a, as a, as a gift, but that he could return, uh, you know, as he returned what he took. And sure enough, uh, like around a couple of minutes later, we actually found it exactly where we left it at. Huh. So
2: that's
4: our folklore.
2: Nice. I always uh, thought Duende was more of a Mexican term, a Spanish term. Exactly. It is. Um, yeah, it is. yeah. Duende is the little people for sure. Um. Uh, I, I talked yes. with Josh Turner on the paranormal round table a lot and he's got Mexican background. And obviously I got a little bit of a Spanish background in me. Um, so the one uh, yeah, the little people, the, the, you know, little gnomes or little sprites or, or, you know, yep. whatever we want to call them. I think they're all kind of the same thing, just different names for sure. Exactly. <clears throat> now I did and, hear a uh, you- story and I, I go ahead.
4: Go ahead, man. I just listen. Uh, I love listening to you talk.
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks. I, I heard a story and I think, I think it was <laughs> on paranormal round table. I could be wrong. Um, Josh, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I'm screwing this up, man, um, I'm not going to try and quote it word for word, but essentially uh, guys with some land. I want to believe out Texas area. I could be wrong. Um, out hunting um, isolated land. It was, it was, nobody's normally out there hunting cabin. You're only out there a couple of weeks out of the year type thing. And they came across a couple of little people, um, but they were actual like Native Americans, Indigenous First Nations, whatever is the right term nowadays. Um, I'm not being on politically correct stuff, so please forgive me. I'm not trying to offend anybody.
4: Um, No, you're right.
2: You're good. But they were they were they were literally just diminutive people. They they weren't Bigfoot types. They weren't primates. They were people. They had clothing. They were hunting but they were like a foot tall, a foot and a half tall, if I remember the story correctly. Um, and, and again, those are stories that when you do a lot of research, you come across those. Um, um, they're few and far between. Um, in my experience,
0: oh,
2: man. Uh-oh. He's freezing uh-oh. up again.
0: No right when it gets good. I know. <laughs> so the whole time has been good. But
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe All maybe right. he'll come back. In yeah, there oh. he is coming back.
0: All right. Hold on. Yeah, he's buffering. Let's see. All right. We'll see what happens here. All right. Uh, cause, uh, man, da-
4: man, Daniel, where'd you find this, uh, man, he's good. I, I like him a lot. Even, uh, even your last guest in last week, she was excellent, man. You have some real good, uh, I mean, you got some real good um, people here.
0: Yeah. I was actually introduced to him by, uh, Jennifer McDaniels from Kentucky. Um, she, she was giving me a rundown about, about him and, uh, and she was like, Yeah, you'll really like this guy. He's got a lot of information, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Okay, well, let me connect me with him. And sure enough, you know, I got a little bit of information and I figured I was, you know, to learn more, I let him get on here and spill the beans. <laughs> right. So, now,
4: who now who was that lady uh, that you had last
0: week? But yeah, I, and we have a lot. Um, that lady last that week. was Ashley was... Jacobs. She's from Alabama. Man, yeah she she's was from good. Alabama uh, she'll be back wow. uh, uh, yeah after we got off live yeah me and her stayed chatting for almost two hours off air wow. after the thing because she had so much information She's she's got a lot of stuff yeah So man she
4: was, man, she was good I was listening to you all uh, show I was listening to you all show and that was uh, and I just couldn't keep oh, my yeah. in a, it was fascinating it was great
1: I have a confession. Cool.
0: Yeah. Next time we get around here, I'll be sure you will. Sure. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we got you back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are back,
2: guys. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Oh, yeah. You're
2: back. I wasn't wasn't sure where I got cut yeah, off. Nikki, at go ahead.
1: Huh? Oh, no. I was just going to say we were talking about the Pacific Northwest and, and, um, David Politi's just got brought up, and I always said I'm not going to buy one of his books. I'm not going to do it. Guess what I did? <laughs> I bought the Tribal Bigfoot. Oh, you bought one. <laughs> I bought it. Yeah, it's coming on Monday. But the reason I bought it really was for Harvey Pratt's uh, drawings that are in it. Because I don't know if you've ever researched his drawings. They are amazing.
3: Absolutely. Bigfoot.
1: Artwork, and uh, I—I had to have the book mostly for that. I mean, I'm going to read it too, but (laughs) it it was just amazing his work, and I thought the best way to get all those photos was just to buy the book and have them all in there. And uh, I don't know. Can I share from this side, Daniel? What's that? Can I share from this side? Share. Can I share? Uh, you
0: should be able. Yeah, like, yeah, like, I, like a screen, uh, screenshot, you mean?
1: Um.
0: You have to go down to that. where on the... It should, oh. it should show on the bottom of your thing to do a screen share.
1: Share easiest with two monitors. What in the world? Oh, never mind. Okay, now it wants... Um what's the best the entire screen or application window?
0: Uh sh- try to check the application window. That should be your additional windows that you have opened up. Okay. So
4: I had a I I had a story to tell you, you know, talk about those little people down over there in South Texas uh, in the Texas area. My grandfather, he was a vaquero Oh, he, he was an old yeah. Yeah, he was an old cowboy, and uh, he did the very last kettle drive from Texas to Kansas, Kansas on horseback. And um, so, one of his journeys, uh, he was driving back, uh, going back home, and he came across, and uh, he came across a trail that he always, uh, he always used when he was coming back home. And then, so this one particular day, as uh, and um, um, so he was going down this path. And he goes, and all of a sudden, his horse's legs uh, got tied up, uh, got tangled in some rope. And uh, sure enough, he went and uh, he went up there and uh, took off the rope with uh, took off the rope and threw him over his shoulder, and kept on walking. And he wow. said he didn't get no past like fifty yards. And sure again, uh, his uh, horse's front legs got tied again. And he was going what? The, and uh, he goes, what in the world? So he gets down there, and sure enough, the horse's legs were uh, the horse's legs were tied up. He goes, man, he goes, this is strange. So he went up there, and he uh, uh, he undid the rope again and uh, threw it over, uh, threw it away, threw it over his shoulder, and sure enough, the horse didn't get twenty yards away, and sure enough, his uh, legs to his horse got tightened up again. And he came up there and, and he was looking around and uh, sure enough, he sees this little man uh, right by an oak tree. And he looks at him and uh, he, goes, uh, he goes, you're not going to tie my horse's feet, are you, again, are you? And he just giggled and went behind the tree and uh, disappeared. And he got his, uh, his knife out from his, uh, uh, his side and cut the rope off. And uh, took oh, off and never, uh, the horse's legs were never, ever tied again. And that was the last time that he's ever seen this little creature. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's strange. That's strange.
2: Uh, yeah. I just caught the end of that. Where did that, where did that report come from? Uh, my, uh, my family,
4: uh, my family actually came from a, a town called Heavenville, Texas. They were, they were all vaqueros. And uh, there was a, a, an old settlement down there called Agua Nueva that my family actually settled. Uh, my family was had been here since uh, 1527. Uh, the Ramirez, Garcias, Garzas, Olivares, uh, Galvans have been here for, for basically forever. Uh, my ancestors settled, uh, uh, Tamiropecas, the Ramirez family did. So uh, we're basically all around South Central Texas area. So... <laughs>
0: Hmm. Hey Nikki, uh, give me a second Nikki, I'm going to try to screen share there For you um,
1: Yeah, I can't do it because it wants me to go through my settings And allow Google to do this and that Just, yeah, too much trouble
0: Ah uh, Alright, I'm going to gonna I'm gonna give it a try I've gone live, I mean I've done a screen share On here before
1: um, I mean if you can't, I've got it up on my phone Yeah Yeah, I see it oh, too well, I, I got it pulled up on
0: my phone too Yeah, from what you sent me, I got that too, sir.
1: They're just amazing, you know, his photos. Oops, now it's going all crazy.
4: Nikki, how's the weather down there? Hot. Miserable. Uh, We got 106 today.
1: Yeah, we're probably around 110. 110? Yeah, I think that's the last I checked.
4: Yeah, are y'all getting that cold front?
1: No, I hope so. I don't know. I haven't.
4: Oh wow, that's beautiful.
1: Let's see if he got it. Oh, he did.
0: All right, hold on, Nikki. I got. I got it pulled up.
1: Yep, I see it.
0: It's. uh, You see.
1: Just uh, scroll down. There we go.
0: Wow. Uh, Let me go back. Um. Let me hit. I'm gonna hit solo. There you go. Full screen layout. There we go. And then I'll pull it back.
1: Now you can just scroll back or scroll down. That's amazing. And most of his drawings are firsthand from uh, people, witness, eyewitnesses. Because he's the you know that kind of line drawer sketch artist, and he's took a lot of what he drew is from actual accounts
4: well
0: I believe I've seen some of these uh some of his art before
1: mhm yeah they've been they've been around, you know, but uh I didn't realize it was from the tribal. Bigfoot book. Till recently, I saw something that it was yeah. on. It was featured on there. So
4: anyway,
2: there you go. Hey, there we go. All right.
4: <laughs> All right. Justin, I was going to ask you something else too. And yeah, uh, cool. I, I, I love I love your uh, your explanation on a lot of things and uh, and a lot of the stuff that uh, that you and I grew up with, especially in the South Texas area, the Mexican heritage and everything like that. And uh, I was going to ask you something: What is your take on the lechuza?
2: Have you heard of that? The um is that? Uh
1: Le- you see the witch that transforms le- into the
2: the bird, uh, like, yeah. like a harpy. Okay, yeah.
1: the owl woman.
2: Um, um, you know, I I really have done a lot of research into that. Uh, um,
0: oh no, he froze again. Uh-oh. Unless he's in deep thought. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
3: not. <laughs>
4: yeah that that story has I been think around. He's really the big. Story, Yeah, the Latrusha story has been around for so so long, and uh, a lot of people uh, have actually had encountered it. Uh, but uh, but I've actually uh, and people have told me stories about it. But I've never ever have ex- experienced or encountered anything like that before. So, yeah, and the song that you were just singing, the uh, the Chusa song, that I don't even know how that song is told. It's it's old. Or the story of the Llorona? Did you see that movie? Yeah. What do you think of it?
1: I don't know. Hold <laughs> on. There's,
0: there's,
2: right. there's been there several. we go. We got Justin back again. Not, <laughs> man, I am so sorry, guys. This is crazy. That's I'm all hard. right. I, I'm not too far out of the mountains, so the internet signal can be spotty. You <laughs> start throwing in storms. Um, but I was saying, I haven't done a whole lot of research into things like Lachusa. Uh, um, I'm not real big into the folklore right. aspect of. Uh, listen to it when i have it and i definitely will look into it a little bit right uh uh, but i don't do a lot of research into it um so my understanding it's classic shapeshifter, right it's into a like a harpy um right i don't know i think see because uh,
4: because the story uh because there was actually a again you know this stuff is dealing uh you know when you sit down there and you listen to the old timers and everything like that, and uh, there was a
2: story that, uh, it's you break, know, that it's all breaking up again.
4: Uh, can you hear me all right? And then, uh, and then there there was stories about a uh, 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 where a man actually shot a harpy, uh, and this was in like the nineteen tens, nineteen twenties, and that story to this day still goes on here in uh, here in my hometown. Yeah. Um,
0: Hey Justin, you still with us, or did you? For- yeah,
1: just you to clarify further. for the the viewers, some of them are asking, the Luluchusa was a kind of a shape shifting witch, and according it it happened like in the Mexican and Tejano cultures, and to some it appeared like a large bird and had a woman's face and hair, but uh, folklore also said that. Um, it was a normal human woman who sells her soul to the devil so that she could get mystical powers and become a bruja. you know, a witch.
4: A witch. Yeah.
1: Hmm. And then Train there's the all kinds in, in regards oh. to that. Like they make noise of a human whistling um, or a crying infant so that they can attract attention. And there's stories of um uh carrying off men, I think, with yes, talons. And uh, what was the other one? Power, uh, to control the weather, something about the oh. weather,
0: huh? There must be one around Justin. The storm's doing
2: pretty well, <laughs> <after> <laughs> with signal. <laughs> <It's> killing me. <laughs> Either that or they finally
3: found
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to make a
0: joke earlier when you said that where they were trying to make attention. I was going to say, typical woman, right? Nah. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. <laughs> so, no comeback, Nikki. I was just joking. <laughs> She ain't paying me no mind. I'm
3: used to <laughs> that. I'm sick no money.
0: Yeah. H.E.L. Clutch said, yeah, time for stories to end and proof to begin. <laughs> so.
2: What do you want to know? Tell us what you want to know. You know, that's funny because how do we, how do we define proof? That, that's always a big debate I get into with people. What do you call proof? Um, everybody has their own definition of what proof is for them. Right. Um, right. So for me, proof is thousands of anecdotal stories, uh, some physical evidence. You have historical stories. To to me, that, that all adds up to proof. Uh, I've never seen a Bigfoot or, or cryptids like that myself. I've had other experiences, but nothing really... Uh, I can pinpoint cryptozoologically, but to me, um, there, there's such an mass amount of evidence out there that it, it's the point where it has to be proof of something, you know, can I, can I say specifically, am I going to say, you know, Bigfoot is this? Well, no. Um, but that's not proof, right? That's, that's different. That to me, that's not proof. That's further study of what we already know. Um, to me, the proof is there that there's something out there, uh, can we classify it? No, not yet. But that's not proof of its existence. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> right. I've actually been been considering writing books about that and just why I believe what I believe because a lot of people will say, well, if you've never seen anything, why do you believe in Bigfoot? And then I go, you really don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love your um, answer. When yeah, you say, it's well, like Go
0: ahead, Daniel. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick. It's just like when people say, well, is, is there proof or evidence of Bigfoot? Well, uh, scientifically, no. Well, I should say yes and no. But evidence to individually, I think everybody has their own evidence in one way or another. It's basically what everyone self-conceives, the what what they believe is evidence, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then, this, you know, like – like a uh, bigfoot cast, I, I consider that evidence, but absolutely scientifically scientific evidence. Uh, you know, I would absolutely I would consider, is. I would consider that physical evidence. You know, because you know, I got I got one of my foot casts. I keep sitting. Uh, it sits right next to me. But uh, yeah, but you know, the mainstream science, yeah, they, they would object to it. Look, if, you if know, we're why because if
2: we're discussing any other animal, uh, track, track mark. Oh, don't freeze on this! Oh
0: no, not
4: again! Yeah, yeah, Dan. You, you, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you know, having the proof. I mean, I I mean, I mean, getting the proof. I mean, that's the thing. You know, everybody, everybody wants proof. Prove it. Prove it. Prove it. Prove that it's real. Prove that it's real. Prove that it's real. Well, you know what? All the if you can combine all the Bigfoot stories that there have been uh, since the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, the year 2000, you know, uh, people have actually seen these things. You know, you know the, uh, and and the stories that people have actually have encountered. You know, there's something going on out there, and these people have been seeing it. And uh, you know, right. what more right. proof that uh, what other more proof that we need. You know, you just have to be in the right place at the right time. You know, I don't believe that anybody could see like like 16 Bigfoots or or uh, you know uh, you know 24 big size Bigfoots or or a, a Bigfoot every time they go out. You know, uh, you know I believe that you know it's it's uh, we catch them and just run the right moment and uh, and then you only have seconds to respond or seconds to uh, seconds to react and there's not enough time for someone to take out a camera that fast. Or they go fast and all you see is a blur picture. Or they're in the woods hiding behind a tree and you can get a clear picture of it, you know, boom.
1: Even Even.
4: our (laughs) screws.
1: Nikki, what was that, Nikki? Uh, hold on, there's some
0: feedback here from someone. Am I getting feedback?
1: Me? Hello? Uh, no, not... um, <coughs> I don't know,
0: it's not. No, I think it's, it's right our okay. right now.
1: Uh, but, just uh, gonna Yeah, say... I mean,
0: like, evidence, you know, if we. Oh, go ahead, Nikki.
1: The, we scrutinize photos so, so hard these days that it's hard to believe what is and what isn't. All we can do is keep, um, I don't know, keep, keep looking, you know? Keep looking and, and if we scrutinize them, we scrutinize them. But it, it's like uh, what Baldemar was saying, you know, there's lots and lots, thousands of eyewitness reports and they can't all not be true. That's what makes me a believer. But I do not believe right. in the majority of the evidence that's presented out there. I mean, almost none. Right. I believe there is some evidence out there and those people are sitting on it because they know, you know, that they're not going to. Um, release that, and then get a bunch of people saying, "Oh no, that's or that's this or that's that." They don't want to deal with it because they know what they've got. Yeah, right. But uh,
4: now, now I got, uh, I got, I, I'm trying to get two videos. I'm trying to get two videos of, uh, of people that actually uh, caught that in the trail cams. Man, it is so hard getting them because they just don't want to release them and. The only reason why they don't want to release them is because they don't want to be ridiculed. And I was telling them, hey, you know what? Give it to me. I'll take the, uh, I'll. I'll take it. I'll take the criticism. You know, people think I'm a nut anyway. I'll take it. Uh, you know, I'll take it for the team. Just let me see it. All I want to do is let me see it because I want to see it because I, when, when I saw mine, I, just, I want to make sure that it is exactly what I saw. So, you know, and and, and and if you want me to give it to me, give it to me. If you want to sell it to me, I'll buy it from you. But all I want to do is just see it. And like that, if I feel that it's legitimate, then I'll come up there and talk it over with my, my scientist first mm-hmm. and look at it and say, hey, look, what do you think about this? And then if they both agree, saying that we have something significant there in the photo or in the video, and then, and only then, I will show it to everybody else,
0: right? Well, you know, understanding the, the the definition and meaning of of evidence itself, you know, I kind of like to put it in my own de- definition. Or it says to me, evidence is simply the possibility of affirmed either way. So, you know, what we collect, what we find, you know, is it to me, it's our it, it is our evidence that we collect. Um, you know, that we can present it. So, I mean, none of us are really, uh, you know, we're not scientists or anything, but but yeah, that's the way I look at it. It's the possibility of being fact, you know, but yet Mm -hmm. we can't, you know, it's not confirmed. Can it be confirmed? Sure. What, how is a big, uh, a whole big question, you know,
1: so... Right. None of that stuff will ever. That's be why a lot of people hold on to evidence in the science field because unless you have a camera facing the Bigfoot, watch record the Bigfoot step in the mud, pull his foot out, and walk away, and then you approach the you know the print. That's the only way it would be accepted by science, because you didn't lose that chain right. of events that created that.
4: Right. You know, so now, that's he,
1: what's hard. All well, this is real good to keep because trust me, when and if they are brought to science, all that evidence is going to come into play. You know? right? Until then, it's something
4: for you to keep. See, even you know, I have my, my scientist that I work with, and I'm not going to mention his name. And he is so diehard of you know his theory is in order for you to prove that Bigfoot is real, just prove that he's not. And I will never ever ever forget that. But you know what?
0: That's a good way to put it.
4: Right, but he has not met Baltimore. He knows me well. (laughs) He knows me well, and you know me, Daniel, and and uh, y'all, and you too, Nikki. I am the biggest pain in the ass that there is. <laughs> and I would tell you that. And you all know that I'm, tr- I'm telling you the truth. But when this certain scientist comes up there and asks me for me to go, to go to the woods and me to help him out to find certain species, he knows who to call. And I find it. Whether it's a bird or, or plants or whatever, I find it. And he comes up there and he tells me, if anybody's going to find Bigfoot in these woods, it's you the thing is again he comes up there and and he tells me certain things he goes we do not need a photo because scientists are going to look at a photo and said well it's just a photo it doesn't mean anything and that's the way they think right but right. Right. give me let me well, let me find some hair samples let me have let me find something to prove you know because i do, i believe that i believe like this i don't want to put this thing in a slab i don't believe that you know, he comes up there and says, but well, in order for you to prove the Bigfoot is real is put him in a slab. I'm like this. If there is only, if there was only six species left of, big, of these certain Bigfoots, which I believe that they're not, I believe that there are more. I cannot, and I will not shoot one for me to prove to you that it's real. I cannot do that. So that's why I come up there and this may sound strange to you all. I come up there and I look in bird's nest to try to find hair samples, because you know very well that birds collect anything to make their nest. And then what I do is i find any particular way to find a certain hair samples in order for me, and I put these things up, and I, and I stick those these, these things in my freezer, and I know what to look for in an and actually in a microscope. So, and then that's what I do in order for me to, to try to find a little piece of evidence to prove that this animal does exist, so. That's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But yeah, in, in the scientific okay. world, there are proto- there are protocols that are that are being presented or laid out. Hopefully, eventually, uh, lead to the acceptance in the scientific world. Um, you know, certain steps that we could take to the science. You know, to the science table, eventually. Um, things that we could present scientifically through protocols and steps that we could take as, uh, as us in the Bigfoot world, uh, for those who go out in the field, exploring, researching, finding possible evidence to collect, you know, there, there is certain protocols um, that we could take. Uh, I, I was actually presented and shared a couple and I'll probably save that for another podcast to get into. But uh, I think in a matter of time, because there is there is a small team of scientists that are considering, or working their way towards considering the possibility of the existence of Bigfoot <laughs> to acknowledge it, to to at least acknowledge it. So, but um, but in time, I think in time, because uh, like I said, there's professors, there's biologists, there's uh, uh, primatologists, you know, that are involved. All, with doing studies, and they they believe some of them are actually skeptics, but then there's some that believe. But they want to work with the public. For those who, are, for those of us that do get out there and find things, um, for those of us who find these tracks and collect these tracks, you know, there there's protocol, there's steps that we could take when collecting pieces of what we believe to be evidence that could, uh, again, lead to the acceptance from the scientific world. So, but um, yeah, there's different ways, there's there's different ways. And, uh, but then again, you know, a majority of us, a lot of people don't care if science acknowledges it. Cause you know, a lot of us, you know, and I, I believe I speak for a majority of the Bigfoot community that a lot of people don't care if science accepts it or not. I don't, but it is cool if it was to be, you know, accepted and presented publicly because, I think it would shut a lot of people up, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, but it it is what it is. So,
1: it's but a double edged sword. However, you fun look being at out it.
0: There. Right. Yep. Absolutely.
1: You know, so, it, the minute it does um, come to light, then we're endangering the species immediately. It's yeah. just going to be open season.
0: Well. It's funny that uh, Bigfoot God. Forest mentioned his name. He said, my scientist died, damn it. Rest in peace, Dr. John I the, the smallest team of scientists and the primatologists and the bio and university, a university professor were actually Dr. John Benderneagle was actually a part of that team. Um, and actually before John's passing, he had actually sent the professor a, a, a collection of his Bigfoot casts. He's had orders uh, so but um, so yeah. Dr. John Bordenigle was a part of that team, uh, working behind the scenes, and, and and this project is actually on the download. Um, so, but uh, there is one person I would love to get on here eventually, where he may be able to speak. He would make a real great guest. Um, I will get I will get him involved later on. I won't mention. So, I would definitely chat with him and see if he'll be interested in wanting to do that. So, um, but yeah, Dr. John Brendenagel—he was one of my favorite researchers. He was the wildlife and Bigfoot researcher, so very well seasoned. Game, so, so
2: yeah. Justin, you back? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm kind of all going right. back and forth here. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> <It's the
4: weather. laughs> Uh, you have a wind in your house, dude. You got to put some sugar uh, out
2: there. I'm getting ready to drive into town here to see if I can just pick up a better phone signal on my phone and go from there.
1: <laughs> you could come back on, on again. We'd love to have you back yeah, on for yeah, sure.
4: Man, it, you're great, I'm telling you. You're, We're already we hit the
1: two-hour mark there, Daniel.
4: What? That's still early. Sometimes yeah. it's
0: still three, four hours. I, I was going to make a joke with you. I was going to make a joke with Justin, but I, I, want, I won't put it. I don't want to embarrass him, <laughs> so I won't.
2: <laughs> oh, there's nothing you can say that'll embarrass me. I promise what? that.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was going to ask if you were driving into town to go see Jennifer McDaniels.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, she's a couple hours away, so that'd be <laughs> – and you would definitely lose my signal at that point. <laughs> and I'm sure you're going to hear about oh, that okay. from her. I can tell you what. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing something in a post Where she said she was going to be driving to you So I don't know, I, I thought she was On her way to see you or something
2: <laughs> Yeah, you know, you'd have to ask her About that We've, we've, <laughs> uh, I met her a, a year ago um, At the conference In, in Kingsport, Bays Mountain uh, Tony Felosi was there uh, Jennifer was there, I met Matthew Delft there uh, Janice Carter, Robin Hayes uh, They were all there, and that's where I actually met Jennifer at um, so we've kind of just stayed in touch through there and she's the one that put oh, okay. me in touch with you, obviously. Um, <clears throat> so I've been connected with all those guys since I went to the, I forget what the name of that conference was. It was just the one over in Kingsport at Bays Mountain. Um, and we started talking and then she was like, you yeah, Daniel. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think they just called that the Tennessee Bigfoot Conference. I think. I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, it was something like that. Um, is, there's yeah, a few over here, Kingsport. so the names I get confused on. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Um, um, all right.
1: Yeah, the Tennessee Bigfoot Conference.
0: Tell you yeah. what. Uh, um, okay, is that what it's called? Yeah. Huh. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, we are over the two hour mark. Uh, I tell you what, Justin, would you, would you be interested in ever coming back and and talking more with us?
2: Oh, absolutely. Anytime.
0: Okay. Well, you, you, you definitely seem full of information. You're well, uh, you're very aware of and familiar with a lot of different, uh, I, you know, species, I'll put it that way a lot of different species, um, <laughs> stories, legends, all that. And uh, mm-hmm. that is always a plus, too, you know. Um, cause I, I love it when the guest has a lot of information because less talking I have to do, you know. <laughs> so, <Definitely>. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: well, I'm definitely yeah. full of it, whether it's um, good information or not. I'm definitely.
4: I'm, I mean, uh, definitely makes a good storyteller, you know. Uh, you know so.
2: Yeah.
1: And Justin, are you hooked groups. with any uh, groups in your area?
2: The people actually discuss this kind of stuff with, and people that understand. And then, you know, with that.
3: Oh, I can't Uh-oh. hear him. Oh, you lost
0: you're again. Me. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's froze. Oh yeah, I know. Right before you asked him that he 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 was trying oh. to share something, so Yeah. I don't All right. see if he comes back. Hopefully, the uh, we'll get him back before he goes. Yeah. Um, for those listening, I do want to make a mention, uh next Friday, um, hold on. Next Friday the twenty first uh we have have a guest uh, she's actually been on the live chat uh deborah from uh formosa will be with us to share her bigfoot sightings so and we'll have another south awesome. carolina resident sharing their bigfoot stories south so, carolina you said so yeah so everybody say hello to deborah from uh formosa yep south carolina yep um, she has a sighting and a story from South Carolina and in Ca- California. So oh, wow. wow! Yeah, that's unique. That should be interesting. Yeah, so, absolutely. There you so, <laughs> go. And, and we uh, Justin, uh, we, <laughs> you froze up when you were sharing something.
2: Yeah, I, I stepped outside here. Hope I can just run a signal off my phone a little bit better. Um, I was just saying I, I'd love to come back on. it's easier. Like it's, your- it's great to. Yeah, that's it.
4: Well, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, it looks
1: I like you, I oh, you're gonna. I okay, go asked ahead, if you uh, were associated with any groups there in your area in Tennessee.
2: Um, I, I am not necessarily a Tennessee group. I'm associated with uh, the Jevning Research Group, JRG. Oh, um, okay. We're kind of an international group there, um, under the the direction of Will Jevning. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been associated with them. We're, we're, we're a different type of group. We're just more of a collection of researchers. We're not like, um, you, you know, we're all independent researchers that do our own thing and we just kind of all collaborate together, yeah, um, using each other as resources, um, the expertise under Will with all of his experience and then his contacts as well. So we kind of all get mm-hmm. together, um, more of just a clearinghouse of researchers, you know, we'll get together and we'll talk about, um, you know, testing evidence and, and what is good evidence, what isn't good mm-hmm. evidence and how to collect evidence and uh, just just general stuff like that, how to analyze certain pictures and right mm-hmm. uh, just, just I used get to watch his
1: podcasts fun. like religiously. I kind of got away from it, but because uh, yeah. he's, he's kind of jumped from from platform to platform. <laughs> so I kind of lost him there for a while.
2: Yeah, but, he, uh, he's got a couple going on YouTube. He's got uh, Creek Devil um i think is the one he's running mostly now uh jeremiah fountain was doing a few with him oh yeah Um, he's kind of backed off he's had some issues that he's had to deal with uh jeremiah is a good friend of mine Mm -hmm. um i I, i'm not really a group guy but those are guys that i found that i really uh, get along with right Um, yeah we're we're very scientific minded we're very much into the flesh and blood aspect and not so much the paranormal aspect Mm -hmm. um which if we're going to bring this to mainstream science is the only way to approach it, regardless of what personal beliefs are. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, If that makes sense. Um, So that's kind of what we do um, as a group. Um, Other than that, I mean, I, I, I just find myself in all different kinds of groups because I've not, you know, I'm into everything. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Matthew Delph has the mountain empire cryptid research organization. Um, You know, another good group of people on the ground. Uh, you know, field researchers, um, j- just there's a lot out there, you know, so I just try and keep touch with all of them and keep keep base with all of them and, and just kind of see what's going on out there.
4: Mm-hmm. Cool.
2: Hey, Justin, let me ask you yeah, this.
4: I, uh, I do uh, me personally, I like uh, researching on my own. I like yeah. doing my own yeah. thing when I'm in the woods. but <clears throat> and then also too when I uh, when I find some evidence out there, and then, and then I'll contact, uh, other, uh, other, of my researchers that there's, there's certain people that I trust and people that I don't, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then, so, and then, so the thing is, uh, when, uh, do you find it more educational for you, uh, to research on your own or would you find it more beneficiary for, uh, of, uh to have others with you when you research?
2: Um, so like I said before, I don't do a lot of field research on my own. I've never had the opportunity to, to really get out there. Um, now that I'm in East Tennessee, I plan on doing a lot more. Um, right. I've got, I've got health issues that I'm dealing with. Uh, two months ago, I was in the hospital with congestive heart failure. Uh, oh. so I'm still recovering from that and getting my strength back. Um, earlier this week, I, I took a five hour hike and I ended up on the Appalachian trail and just kind of working on getting my strength back and getting my, my wood legs back, so to speak. Um, I do mostly archival research, man. I love reading reports. Um, I love hearing stories and I kind of just store them away in my brain. Um, and then I make connections and I, I I listen to things. So people ask a question and I can just kind of go back and go, Oh, I I know this report. I've read this report. I, I, another Henry may this thread. (laughs) Um, it's just, you know, kind of, you know, people ask about, uh, white Bigfoot. And I go, oh yeah, well, I've heard stories from here, here, and here about white Bigfoot. And then I can just kind of expound on that. And, um, and most of that is just me reading, like I said, you know, and I I love contacting other researchers because then I can get original stories, firsthand reports that aren't something I'm just finding off a database. And I can ask the questions, um, because I'm, I'm a detail oriented kind of guy. Like I remember hearing a story of a, a gentleman in a canoe race up in New York, uh, another a Native American guy, and he had a boulder thrown at him from the top of a cliff. Okay, oh, and wow. and I, as as yeah, and I'm talking to the guy that's giving me the story, and I'm getting details. And one of the de- key details I picked up on was the boulder had a backspin on it. Um, for some reason oh. the guy noticed it was a backspin on the boulder when it when it was coming at him. And to me, that's a huge detail that most people would overlook. Um, but right. the fact that that was specifically mentioned to me, that tells me it was not something that rolled down the cliff or just fell naturally. A backspin only occurs if it's thrown, exactly. It, you know, wow. um, things, point. things like that. So that's the kind of stuff that I listen for and that I look for in my research. So I, I call it archival research. I, I, I do the reading. I, I'm I'm the monk sitting in a lonely, dusty, candlelit room, reading all these stories, uh, trying wow. to put stuff together, you know. That's um, right. I've heard stories of sticks being thrown. You know, classic Bigfoot behavior, right? Um, but then I, I ask, well, how was it spinning when it threw at you? Was it coming over end? Was it coming right. sideways? You know, because that indicates so many different things. Um, if we're looking at the the patty film, and we look at the structure of where the head is in relation to the shoulder, right? Everybody that studied the film knows that Patty turns the whole body to look and not just the head because the shoulders obstructing uh, uh, the face. Well, if you expound on that, then you're looking, they probably can't throw overhand because the shoulder structure isn't there for it. It, It's not built that way. It's going to have to be sidearm. So if somebody tells me they threw a stick at him and it's coming end over end, then, you know, to me, that's kind of going, well, maybe it was something else, but if it's coming sidearm at him, and it's spinning more on right. an angle to me that adds a little more authenticity to it just given all those tiny little bits of information that just kind of pile up over the years um, and i've seen right. uh, a video um, a purported video of a bigfoot throwing something and it was sidearm just as i suspected it would be if it would be a real thing wow um i don't remember the video or where it came from it was one of those ones where something just kind of whipped something through the trees but you could see it the arm moving from a sideways motion, which is what we would expect. Um, and so that, that's more of what I do. I, I look at that kind of stuff. I'm definitely not out in the field. I want to transition into being in the field more. Uh, one of the reasons I love where I'm at so much out here at the base of the Smoky Mountains, I can get out there and do all kinds of stuff um, and just kind of bring that knowledge out into the field and just kind of see what happens with it, you know.
4: Wow, that's amazing. Absolutely. Because so. uh, uh, me personally, Justin, I, I come you up. You
0: know this. what? Oh, no, go ahead, Baltimore. There's there's just a delay between us. Okay, Sorry, uh,
4: I, I started is, speaking uh, you. Is, did. I didn't. Okay, there uh, also too is one thing that I've also learned too, that I did not ever learn before until I actually walked with my scientists, and that was actually uh, uh, tree arches. And the stuff to look for little arches and spins on on trees and actually breaks. And yeah.
2: uh, and
4: the, and, the, I, and I never looked at them. I, you know, I never thought. You know, the very first thing I thought of cattle did that. Blah 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 blah. But they didn't spin it. They didn't. Right. They didn't. They, they didn't do it like a tobacco tie, and they didn't right. do that arch on there, or they didn't get a a, a, a stick maybe the size of my finger and just bend it over and put it in this thing called norqueta. I'm going to be familiar with it. Uh, two pieces of, uh, well, let me show right here. And the tree thing just laying around the middle of that. And uh, right. that takes two hands to do that. And I'm yeah. looking at this yeah. stuff over there and, and they're telling me, Hey, here's a, here's a, this is the stuff you got to look for. I said, dude, I've been seeing that all the time and I've never uh, you know in Spanish they say no step and do foco you know the light bulb didn't turn on up there you know right but, right uh, yeah yeah
2: um, um, so. the, the structure thing fascinates me that, that's kind of my new area where I'm really starting to to look into um, and again I don't I don't discount anything right so I'm looking into the concept of are they using glyphs and stick structures for uh, communication I've talked to some people that are really big on that Um, I've talked to other people that are going, no, it's completely false. You know, uh, I, I've spent a lot of time in the woods. Um, Once we left Columbia, we moved to upper Michigan, upper peninsula of Michigan. Um, We had an 80 acre camp up there and I'd spend summers out there all the time, you know? So I'm familiar with, with deadfalls and what happens in nature. Um, And I I think a lot of what these structures that people are finding are natural things, right? right? But at the same time, I, I don't see why it wouldn't be something that a Bigfoot would do, right? Why would right. they would make sense if they're as intelligent as we think they are, they're going to use structure, they're going to use uh, communication tactics for different things. Every animal does in their own way, right? right. Um, and so what I'm looking into is how to mm-hmm. identify the difference between a natural occurring or a man-made thing versus something that they would do themselves. And like you said, the specific twist on it. Or, right. or, you know, this or that type thing. So that, that's kind of the area I'm getting into now. Um, I, I know a researcher, uh, I'm not going to say her name, their names, is a few of them um, that are working on uh, almost an encyclopedia, a compendium of glyphs that they believe wow. they have found, that uh, they have done, that they believe is communication. I know a lot of people aren't into that. I'm not going to say yay or nay either way. It, to me, it's just another facet uh, of the subject. Right. You, you know what I mean? Um, And they've actually described very specific behaviors um, that are common in reports, but they put their own meaning onto it as everybody thinks it's this, but what we're understanding is that it's actually this. Well, that's how the research is going to go forward, right? We're going to go down a million wrong paths to find the one right path. That's the actual answer to this. So Uh, I'm not big on going, this person's totally whacked out because they believe this. Well, what if they have, that one piece of the puzzle that we need to, to make it all fit. Perfect. You are a hundred percent right. Dude. You know, you are, you um, are. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's where I'm at with the structures. I think it's fascinating. Um, the behavior makes sense to me as far as making blinds, um, the, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's definitely something I'm, I'm really getting into more now that I'm getting out into the woods more. And, right. and I'm seeing things on my hike the other day. Um, I saw, like you were talking about the fork, and it had two trees laying down in it. Um, wow. It wasn't just one that fell down and broke because that was my first assumption, right? Rotted tree. It fell over. Mm. Hit the fork of the tree. It snapped in half. That would make sense to me. Um, right. But this was two separate trees, both in the in the wedge of this one. So I'm going, could that be natural? Absolutely. But what would I look at to differentiate natural versus being placed there? You know? Correct. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I just don't know. And that's now, why I'm really uh, getting into uh, me the you structure this. thing.
4: Now, let me ask you that The place that you uh, research, do you constantly go there to that one area?
2: Well, it's not a research area. Um, I was just trying to get back out into the woods and hiking again. Um, and so I, I had just I've, I've done a few uh, again, getting out of the hospital with heart failure. I got to take things really slow and easy, um, which is hard for me. I'm, I'm a type A um, I'm a chef by trade, um, and so I'm used to going constantly nonstop, 12, 13 hours a day, and I just can't do that anymore. Um, And so I'm I'm slowly building my strength back up. So this was just uh, a trail I picked um, in uh, North Carolina down by the Pisgah National Forest. Um, It was supposed to be just uh, like a one and a half mile loop. And because I just felt like it, I actually branched off onto the Appalachian Trail for a while and hiked a couple hours up the trail and back. So it definitely wasn't a research area. Um, It it was just me getting out and enjoying the mountains is what it was. (coughs) Um, But it wasn't very well traveled. The initial loop was supposed to be heavy traffic. I saw four people the whole day. Um, So it wouldn't surprise me if this was an area that had activity at times, especially off season. Um, if they rotate through territories or migrate, as one of the theories right now, you know. So anytime no, I, I'm out in the woods, I look because you never know. You just never know what's going to happen.
4: Yeah, yeah. You were breaking hmm. up there. Uh, just uh, you were breaking up there just a little bit.
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he, he sounded okay on my end. Yeah.
2: Hmm. I'm actually getting a pretty good well, signal outside what, for once. So everybody. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, I'll tell you, sit tight. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get get, uh, get ready to end the broadcast here very shortly. Uh, But I want to remind everybody every Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, come on and join us. Uh, We've been going live just on Facebook, but I think we're going to start going live more often on the YouTube channel here. So if you're not subscribed, be sure to subscribe and make sure you click that little bell icon. That way you get the notification once we go live. Um, that way, you could be on top of it so you guys won't miss the, miss an episode. Uh, next Friday, again, starts. Uh, we're going to be interviewing uh, some South Carolina residents. Uh, again, uh, Miss Deborah Formosa will be joining us next Friday on the 21st. <laughs> then again, we've got the Carolina Crypto Crew. Uh, Melissa, Melissa George and her, uh, her daughter in law, Carrie, will be joining us um, on the 28th. So, and uh, and again, we will definitely be bringing um, Justin back, Mister Justin Decker. If you want to follow him on, he's on Facebook, Justin Decker, D E C K E R. Did I spell that right?
2: I think yep, so. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Yep.
0: All right, cool. So, um, it, it, so it's yeah, not I, a
2: research page, guys. It's just my personal page. But you know, I'm on there talking to everybody. Feel free to message me. However. Um, You know, I I got pastors, little old ladies on it. So it's a clean, uh, clean page safe for everybody. You know, my mom's on there. So (laughs) there you go. There you
0: go. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Michelle was asking Bigfoot and alone. And I think you pretty much kind of covered that. So, yeah, pretty Um, much.
2: Yeah. When I'm in the woods, I usually (laughs) go by myself just because I don't have anybody around here to go with. I'm not afraid of being out alone in the woods. Um, I understand the risks and the dangers, and I'm just you know I'm good with it. Cool, you know
4: you know for me okay. uh, when I go into the woods, I respect the woods, you know, because I think it's again, again, there's sometimes also too I do I do take a firearm with me, and sometimes you have to expect the unexpected because sometimes that you only got just a few seconds to react, whether it is mm-hmm. a wild hog mm-hmm. or uh, a cat or something like that uh because once you're out there you know so you're going into their woods, so they're going into you're going into their their place and uh, again you just never know what's going to happen out there you you know you can even uh, uh, experience a, a rabbit fox or a rabbit coyote and it's always good to be prepared mm-hmm. at all times when you uh, you know when you go out there
0: no, I don't
3: think no, absolutely
0: <laughs> Nikki. Uh, Nikki, what was she referring to? Because I, I must have missed something.
1: She was missing my. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, was okay. st- I was waving bye bye. <laughs>
3: How long have <laughs> you been out here? For over two oh,
1: hours? Okay. I'm surrounded by all my Bigfoots over here on my yeah. my my table. This is the one I go like this. Did you see it? That was a Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or my Big Head. Yeah, in 10 seconds will
0: be a fit, exactly two hours, two hours and 30 minutes.
1: Wow. Right. Little guy. Everybody has one of these. Now. You adopt them.
2: So. Even I got one of those. Yeah, I don't have one one. of those. Were you (laughs) when you
1: ordered this? Did you think it was going to be like like twice the
2: size? (laughs) No, I picked mine up in a shop in Asheville, (laughs) North Carolina, so I I saw what it was.
1: When I ordered it, I thought it was like three times bigger than this. So I was (laughs) like, "What the heck?" (laughs) I don't
0: have none of my bigfoot figurines or nothing here. For the new people, I'll share. I'll show the one footcast I have sitting next to me, though. But oh, that's awesome! There's, oh wow, yeah, you can see the toads a little bit right there. I want to be careful; because I'm dropping stuff off of it that's landing on my laptop. But so, but yeah, that's one of your one own, own cast personal casts. Right yeah, no, uh, yeah. The rest of them are at my parents' house and in, in Dad's garage. So, yeah.
4: Justin, let me ask you one more thing <laughs> before okay. the program is over. <laughs> Uh, you know that uh, you come across a whole bunch of different stories out there about Bigfoot, everything like that. What's the weirdest story that you ever heard of the characteristics of the Bigfoot? The weirdest oh, story. Oh man!
1: <laughs> oh, Barb was in hard the one. house. Hi, what, what do you
2: classify as weird? I mean, um, wow! I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I don't know the, the uh, what. Go ahead.
4: I'll uh, i start it off here. Uh, there was some a few oilfield workers that actually had some binoculars, and uh, they saw this uh, uh, this Bigfoot, on uh, down pretty close to uh to uh, to a pipeline crossing, and uh, they actually got, and uh, they noticed this thing that it was down on the ground and it and it was actually digging with a stick, and uh, and then so they were fighting with the binoculars trying to uh, trying to look at this creature. And every single one of them passed their binoculars, and they only had a few minutes to see each one of them. But the, but the creature actually, uh, but it was, you, they say it was a hairy person, and you could actually see them using a stick as a tool. So that was one of the weirdest things that I've ever heard. And, um
2: yeah, see, it's and, mean, that's and, not
4: weird, yes, I'd expect
2: yeah, that. So, yeah.
4: <laughs> right. And then uh, there would be times when they would actually be hunting and uh, and they, they would actually see a, a wild Bigfoot pick up uh, a pig and slam it on a tree and I thought you know stuff yep. like that was pretty fascinating so
2: yep that all that fascinates me um the, the weirdest thing I, I guess is um, something I learned from the guys over at the Bigfoot outlaws um, and that's the the spider crawl thing have you guys heard about that mm-hmm. no I have not yeah okay so uh, One of the reasons why Bigfoot is so hard to find, the theory is that they don't just go on the vertical plane um, when they're moving. They'll also go on the ground horizontal plane, right? Uh, So military tactics as far as getting out of the the normal line of sight. Um, And they say that they crawl across the ground, but not like you would think. They literally go up on their fingertips and on their toes and do what they're calling a spider crawl to, to move along the ground. Uh, that one fascinates me. I have no idea what that's about. I don't understand that as a normal way of locomotion, even as crawling on the ground. Um, so to me, that'd be the weirdest thing because that wow. doesn't make sense that they would move that way. But I've heard multiple stories of it, um, and there's groups of people that insist, yeah, they move like this on the ground. It's the strangest thing you've ever seen. Um, so yeah. that's probably the weirdest, weirdest one for yeah. me is that type of, of ground crawling. That is amazing. I never heard of that before. Yeah. yeah, I've heard,
0: yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard similar stories. Um, almost like the when you mentioned military, like more like a like the belly crawl where they use it, you know, like I've heard a right. similar thing <laughs> like that.
2: That would or, make sense. Uh,
0: the, yeah, the, uh, right. And the other thing is too, like to keep a low profile to stay low. Uh, a lot of people report uh, have seen Bigfoot on all fours. Uh, I haven't, I can't say that's not true. I mean, if there, I don't see how that's n- not a, a possibility. I believe that's very likely, uh, that they can, oh, sure, you know? sure, um, cause, cause I've heard people saying they seen, uh, they seen this creature walk out, you know, on all four and then stand up and take off on two feet. You know, I've heard that a few times, you know,
2: so I, yeah. I
0: find that fading myself. So, you know, <laughs>
2: Yeah, but that, that but, makes sense to me uh, so. for, for a way of locomotion, either either as a disguise or or just, you know, a lot of the great apes walk around on all four. Just because they can go on all two doesn't mean they're going to all the time. Um, you know, if you guys have all been in the woods, sometimes it's easier to get low and go under stuff than Correct. it is to kind of barrel through stuff. You, you know, exactly. I mean, I've oh, done yeah. that. So it, it makes sense exactly. to me. But the, the spider calling yeah. on, on fingers and stuff, that just – it creeps me out, <laughs> you know, like, why would they choose that way of maneuvering of all the ways they could, you know, so that that's the weirdest one for me, for sure. Because, you know, they're the master of their terrain. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That is that's that's uh,
4: that's a, that's a full answer there. They're the master <laughs> of their terrain. And uh, they know, uh, I mean, uh, you, you know, a long time ago, I had a philosophy that they were the ninja of the forest. You know, and uh, again, you know, Native Americans... Yeah,
2: I've, I've heard that uh, phrasing.
4: Yeah, uh, you know, Native Americans call it the guardian of the forest. You know, so they're, uh, they're mm-hmm. just a different type of people out there. So. Mm-mm-mm.
0: Yeah. But yeah, talking about getting down low, I've, there's been areas I've ventured into, like, even, regardless if I have my small backpack or my big backpack of my rucksack, I've gotten into a real thick brush, you know, regardless of if it's thorns or whatever, you know, sometimes you look down, you see like a little passageway, but you got to get like <laughs> literally get down on your hands and knees get yeah. through. I've done that quite a few times. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. If you can't step on it or go over it, yeah, you know, go underneath. <laughs> you know, because hope you can get you look back at the out areas, the same like way. I can show you probably. A, a, right, yeah, or I've seen several areas that are real thick. Where where you can see the deer like, go in there. If the deer could do it, I could do it. Because I think of how other animals maneuver. So <laughs> if an animal could do it, I could do it. I might be it might be awkward for me to still do it, you know. <laughs> so, but absolutely. Um. But yeah. Get uh. Give me. Uh. But again, we'll we'll sit tight here. Uh. After we go off air. But uh, I want to thank everybody that's been on the chat, that's been watching, viewing, and interacting. You guys are awesome. Um, a lot of great feedback, a lot of great um, you know, questions and everything else. So come back next Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, we will be live again. And uh, we look forward to your interaction and uh, our guest uh, for uh, Friday – August 21st, Deborah uh, Formosa. So, till next time, everybody. And uh, there we go. All right. And of course, I hit the end of broadcast. Oh, there. Wait a minute. I think we're still (laughs) live. Yeah. I thought I.